0: I think about the traditional front three, including familiar and they were close to each other and it just seems systematically right now
1: Liverpool are not clipping.
0: subscribe now to the OTB football podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB sports app
2: OTB
1: AM with Gillette Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. All right, it's Wednesday morning. You're very welcome along to OTBAM. It's going on with you all the way through until ten this morning. If you would like to get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you. 180, 180 is the WhatsApp number. You can get us at uh, off the ball. I am on Twitter. You can also leave a comment in the YouTube stream or however it is you want to get in touch with us. We are open to it this morning. Owen, you have recovered, returned. I don't know about recovered, but you've returned at least from Manchester. I have indeed, yeah. The uh, the warm afterglow of an evening at the Premier League is, uh,
3: is, is still here. Uh, it is good, though. No, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. Like, I mean, the c- cancel plans to redevelop Old Trafford. It doesn't keep, keep need your, it Keep
1: your money in your pockets.
3: All of the uh, issues is uh, that the Glaser fans have family. disappeared.
1: I saw Glazers Inn was trending yesterday and I was like, <laughs> is this like still the ironic pre-match stuff from the anti-Man United fans or is this now like a bunch of Man United fans are like, actually, you know what? I mean... But better the devil you know.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, Glazers uh, have uh, pressed the button on bringing Casemiro in and all the other good stuff. And the other buttons that they are hovering over. Yes, exactly. So uh, all, all is well in the world of Manchester United. Like, so I did see Raphael Varane come out yesterday. With well, the comments were only published yesterday, and he says, "This is why I came to Manchester United to play these games." And like, it is a pretty strong sell. Casemiro on Monday night is like, "Wow, this is absolutely amazing." The problem is though. still have to go to the Brentford Community Stadium it's not Liverpool on a Monday night every single week and um, that is going to be one of the issues you'd suspect for Manchester United over the course of the season the boring games they're too big time Charlie possibly possibly I think that the evidence of the first three games is, is is that their best performance has come in the game where there was the most pressure on them against the best opposition you yeah, um, generally say that's a good thing, though. You would, you yeah, would. But the thing is, the vast majority of your games are not against Liverpool or Manchester City. I
1: know, but every, every game, man, you know, at the cup final for the opposition, right? Yeah. Everybody raised the game and other such cliches.
3: And other such cliches, like you would think that. I mean, the psychology uh, that uh, Ericsson Hag has brought to brought to the table, whether it's like running thirteen point eight kilometers and running alongside them, no less. You uh, see that? Uh, uh, yeah. That's so uh, like that's the sort of thing that makes makes every week a cup final.
1: The little narratives around him have started to like the the little. Sparks are being fanned into flames. What a legend. He ran 13 kilometers. Yeah. We just got to embrace this man. moment where like, I mean. like, he dropped an F-bomb on TV. Oh, such character. He is such such a character. I mean, I'm not saying he's not, but it's just like, you know, we need to be careful here about the little bits of the character, which we're like, oh, wow, well, wow, yes. I mean, in fairness, he dropped Harry Maguire, which was a good thing. And Monday was also like
3: one third of his entire competitive campaign as, as a Manchester United manager. So we can properly overreact to one third of... Well, 33% career. of the evidence. Yeah, exactly. So uh, you can you can uh, see why Manchester United fans would, would react like that and, and why they would want to be excited. But definitely felt that there was like a lot of criticism even the manager last week. You know, sort of um, questions about, you know, his public demeanour, how he would behave in press conferences. And, you know, it, it, are the early signs there that Ten Hag is going to be a failure to this week being like, are the
1: early signs there that Ten Hag is Alex Ferguson... Just Dutch. Kieran Tanner wrote a good piece um, last week in the Examiner about how at the start at Ajax things went really badly pear shaped, and um, Ten Hag and Van der Sar were the fans were calling for them both to be sacked as a, as a unit. And then it was, he wrote it out, and then won every league title afterwards. So um, a sticky start is not something that he's unused to. Um, but anyway, look, you, you 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 know you you've become famous globally for. Understanding fan culture in a way that I don't know if anybody, like apart from one of those hipster brands, does. You know, like Puma or somebody. Yeah, well, like, exactly. I mean,
3: <laughs> the Puma, of the sports journalist. I am the, the Puma. That's that's not the first time it's been said about me, of course. You know. Um, so yeah, like the we brought you some coverage of the the protests yesterday. Some the new details have emerged actually about uh, some of the fan protests. Like there was um, there was uh, bottles thrown at uh, a bus uh outside had uh, you the seen toll gate, had you seen, seen some it. of this so you, yeah, you have, I, have, I have footage on my phone uh well to be fair like it did look like about maybe uh two or three bottles slash cans max at uh a bus which I assumed was either A, the Liverpool team bus, but I presume it, it wasn't because they wouldn't drive down that way, or B, just uh, Liverpool fans, even though the bus had uh, Manchester emblazoned on the side of it. There's been reports this morning now that it was actually uh, Manchester United fans right. in the bus. Children actually that uh, were, were inside. Some, somebody's actually given uh, an interview talking about that. So there's more details that have come out to, to emerge around um, the, the protest yesterday, but uh, I guess... There was also then the, the aftermath
1: of the game. A lot of happy Manchester United fans. But just before we get to the video, right, because you were saying yesterday when you were on that like there was a bit of tension until the protest officially started. I, did it feel like it could have gone either way type thing? Like It, it didn't. It was, it was just, I,
3: I think, when people were uh, gathered around uh, the, the toll gate. There, I, I guess you have that, that situation where you, you do have uh, stuff being... Launched that Manchester United fans in a bus, as it turned out. Now, they obviously didn't know at the time. Doesn't excuse throwing stuff at a bus, you, you could argue as well. It, it, and it definitely felt if something was going to happen, it, w- it would have been there. I didn't feel that anything was, was going to kick off. There was, um, like, it wasn't even like an overwhelming police presence. I think if they had suspected that something bad what might happen there would have been a much bigger police presence now there was of course a presence but n- nothing uh, overbearing it was just I, I just just got the sense that maybe there was j- just people there uh, in particular who, who definitely didn't want um, media there like a the, guy like, came up to him and was like I don't want to be on that uh, on your video there and I was like it's like pointing nowhere near you like a guy like, went out of his way to walk towards and was like I don't want to be on that video it's like I don't even who are you like why, why are you coming over to me and um, he's I, going over to threaten you yeah. to intimidate you Possibly, possibly, um, and then like, uh, yeah, uh, the, and there were just kind of a couple of other moments like too that. Too
1: naive to be intimidated? Is that what
3: you're telling me? Yeah, too naive.
1: Hey, that's a big deal. Well, go away. <laughs> uh, so the
3: just giant tattooed shaved head. They like these are just things that happen. They're not things that you're like, oh, they're, they're, something bad could happen here. Uh, it, not at all. That's just that sort of stuff just didn't happen at all. during You the felt
1: front. more unsafe in the midst of the Mayo fans. at uh, Yes, at exactly. One hundred percent. Now, don't get me started on the, the the Mayo fans and some of the stuff that, that they were. Last week you can say what you want now. Yeah.
3: Well, I mean, I've gone on a journey with with Mayor fans. I think um, now that you're all Ireland champions, you can you can like patronise them. You yeah. can pat their, pat yeah. their bums. <laughs> well, precisely. So um, yeah, like I, I, I to say that it kind of like felt unsafe. I think is like putting uh, too too strong a point on it. Okay. It's not. It's not that. I would. Li- I would like to sit here and be like, oh, it was uh, Green Street style stuff. And uh, I was being uh, called journo and all that sort of stuff. That was not the case. But uh, once once the thing started moving, it was uh, it was much better. Okay, well, what are we about to watch? This is post match. This is uh, in the environs of Old Trafford and down Sir Matt Busby Way and down uh, Talbot Road and and a few of the establishments there. Just do what I always do. I just caught up with joyous fans after they'd beaten an arch rival. So a lot of tourists in this video, a lot of Mancunians in this video, a lot of Irish in this video. This is uh, Manchester United fans celebrating their 2-1 win over
2: Liverpool on Monday night. Effort, commitment, balls, running. I mean that 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 was that was the game, man. That was the game we've all been waiting for. You know that was the turning point. We needed this win. Now we've got Casemiro coming into our midfield again. It can only get better, you know what I mean? Does Harry Maguire get back in the team? No, please. No, no, no.
4: At the start of the game, I thought we were going to get hammered.
5: After the first goal, I was just like so shocked, surprised.
6: Next season, we're going to fight for the league. Remember this. Next season, we're going to fight for the league.
5: Hi, um, I'm Nina. I came from the United States. This is my first time at Old Trafford. I am excited. I think it was an awesome game. The defense, everything. Everything was awesome. No, 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 no. This was an awesome game.
3: You excited about Casemiro?
2: Absolutely, yes. The best midfielder, number six in the world. No one comparing with uh, Casemiro. No one in the world. Glazer's out! 2-1 means nothing. Glazer's out, you dirty robin!
1: (laughs) The game was
4: great, but... (laughs) Bayern Munich is better than Manchester United. Are you you from Munich? We are from Munich, yes. So what
3: brought you to a Manchester United game then? Uh, The game was
4: very good, but Ronaldo came too late in the game. You came
3: here to see Ronaldo, basically, did you?
4: Yes. They should, should have come on earlier, shouldn't they? Should have come
3: on
1: earlier, so... It's all
2: right, no. <laughs> Turned up tonight, no ticket for the game. i just come to protest. We marched with um, the 1958 group. No trouble from what I could see. I just hope that the messages got through, loud And clear. it doesn't matter whether they want or not. It wasn't about the result. It was about sending a message that we've had enough, enough's enough. Do you want to see my banner?
3: <laughs> yes, please, actually. How does it feel as a Manchester United fan to not be in there tonight and they beat Liverpool? I know, I know it's a tricky
2: question, but it, it, it's it was hard. Don't get me wrong, but I still it was still worth it was still worth coming. Yeah. It's still, I mean, like, we, we we're staying here overnight. It was still worth it just to come and like you know, I'm sick of sitting there moaning about it. I just felt like I needed to do something. Not that I'm going to make a difference on my own, but you know what I mean thousands like, of you will yeah yeah I just felt like I needed to come and do it in the right way and where it's going to get seen is that hard to walk the walk
3: rather than just talk the talk <laughs> yeah a little bit <laughs> alright so uh,
4: we're from the states all of us You uh, oh yeah we're, I'm also from the states yeah oh man I mean unbelievable it, the, there's nice a reason they call it the theatre
2: of dreams yeah. can I ask
3: how hard is it to get around old traffic and coaches?
2: Uh, do you know what? It's, it's, it's actually easier than you think. Hey, Glazers was out, my dad. Glazers was yeah, out. Yeah,
4: let's do that. Glazers hey, out. God. Martinez was incredible too. I really thought, I mean, honestly, just a vast improvement from last week. Um, it, I mean, really, it's just all around better. Okay. My, my name is Manish. I'm from Switzerland, Bern. Uh, living there and since uh, 90s, I'm a Manchester United fan.
5: Are you sure
3: you're not a young boys fan?
4: No, never, ever. <laughs> Amazing! Nice. First day in England. Saw the first goal in two years. Stood up there. Heard the chance, man. Met these Irish blokes over here. Huh? These lads, man. It is, it is. It is absolutely amazing.
2: Uh, my name is uh, Raymond. I'm from Norway. Uh, but Ali Holland, You know, we, uh, I'm from Norway. Same same. We are from the same area, Brin. Okay. In uh, Norway. So, and uh, I know him a little bit. Yeah.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. Are you friends on Facebook?
2: No, but um, I'm friend with his father. On Facebook. Yeah.
3: And like, do you ever like slide into his DMs? Do you ever chat to him?
2: No, I don't chat with him. But uh, when I see him, I uh, say hi and yeah.
3: So why didn't you get onto Alfie and ask him to persuade Erling to move to Manchester United?
2: I. No, I don't. <laughs> no, I couldn't do that. You've let your whole football club down. No, I didn't.
4: My favorite part about today was probably uh, free gaming with the people in the tunnel and a, a, a dude snuck a, 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 a flask of a Jameson in and
3: we f***ing we went after it. Who do you prefer? Alfie Haaland or Roy Keane?
0: difficult question (laughs) and what is your answer
2: (laughs) i think it's wrong for me to answer that question you don't don't have an opinion no Uh, i don't have an opinion
4: i'm from seattle huh so in the seahawk loudest stadium in in, in the in the country and you don't have the the it's not in your blood you're just a fan but you know, players don't die out here, or or in Seattle. Players die out here. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll f***ing kill you if you don't have a good game, man. Yeah, yeah. Shit, watch the Rooney documentary, right? Rooney, Rooney's a f***ing, that guy's a gentleman and a scholar right
2: there. My name is Anders from Oslo, Norway.
3: Who do you prefer, Alfie Haaland or Roy Keane?
2: Roy Keane, any day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. Alfie? Yeah, oh yeah, 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 for you sure. need
3: your countryman.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. He he deserved that tackle. <laughs> so yeah Roy Keane any day any day of the week
3: what did he make of the Liverpool fans today?
4: them all man <laughs> go Man U baby <laughs> yeah first day in England Liverpool man <laughs> oh yeah no I, I bought the jersey today nice. <laughs> on the way to the game bought the bought the ticket outside the stadium I love it man I'm, I'll, I'll, die, I'll die a Man U fan now how long were you a Man U fan before today? 12 hours yeah we're from no okay, oh, I'll, I'll ask you the
7: same question
3: again of yes. course, uh, Alfie Holland or Roy Keane
2: Roy Keane uh, we have to go for Roy Keane no, yeah. doubts. no, doubts. no doubts no doubts Alfie Holland is too, too old selfie? MLS sucks
4: right. MLS is the worst league ever soft you know you No, know, out here it's a different game man and that's what I'm looking for and this is my first experience especially first time in that in that stadium which is a hard ticket I'll die, man, you fan, brother. I think you and Graeme Souness will get on quite well. I, I do too.
3: F*** the scopes up, United. I thought you said you wanted to say hello to your mum. Hi, mum. Are you proud of me?
1: I was saying that that sounded like a Cork accent at the end there, was it? It certainly is, yeah. Yeah.
3: Can't, uh, can't get away from the what we, what you call them yesterday? The Cullen uh, generation.
1: Yeah. The Manchester United. There's a lot of, of them. There is a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like being John Malkovich, they have big faces. Uh, how how was that experience? How would you compare that versus you know other? fan groups that you've done that with yeah yeah very
3: very good very uh,
1: receptive to the
3: whole to the whole project I guess Uh, well I think I was making the point yesterday morning that there isn't necessarily like one kind of like hub for it to be like fish in a barrel stuff you kind of have to do a little bit of work you have to kind of like walk around and try and find where people are you're opening
1: opening the kimono again going I'm a genuine scoop monster here look at me I couldn't (laughs) like you had to work really hard to find Seattle guy Norwegian families
3: yeah yeah, I think maybe
1: everybody just went into town and I just did not do that. Scoop monster means mean, something different, I suppose. 7.45 this morning here on OTVM. We'd love to hear from you. at 180, 180 is the WhatsApp number. Here's what's coming up between now and 10 o'clock.
3: Hey, Owen. Oh. Uh, I heard you're leaving the
1: shores from the south of Ireland to South America. <laughs> uh, listen, it's a great opportunity. Uh, the best of luck now on your travels. Hope you have a great time. You'll be sadly missed on the, the radio all across Ireland. You've been brilliant the last couple of years with off the ball. Really professional and great passion for all sports. So listen, thanks for all your work. Uh, You were wonderful to work with. Um, You knew probably everything about everything, which has made it much easier to work with. So fair play to you, Owen. Uh, Congratulations on everything you've achieved so far. And hopefully you'll be back um, pretty soon. So best of luck, Owen, and thank you. Good man, Tommy Walsh. You've been good for the last couple of years. First few, not so good, but at least there was an a improvement towards the end. I was very confused. I was about to start talking. I, was, I thought Jamie thought that was live. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Tommy. <laughs> it's like one of those answering machines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Easiest man to prank in the world. Well, right, here's what's actually coming up between now and uh, 10 o'clock. Colin Boyle is going to join us at 10 past 8. Uh, we have White Smoke and uh, we know who the new Mayo manager is going to be. It is a Dream Team ticket. It's been a long time in the making and we'll get his thoughts on what the future is for Kevin McStay. Sports pages at 8.35. Billy Lee, the Limerick football manager, has stepped down. We've got an exclusive with him at 8.50 this morning. Celia Naupo is going to join us at 10 past nine to reflect on her incredible career with the Irish rugby team. And then we'll have some uh, Kevin Kilban. Goodness, what's rare is wonderful coming your way at half past nine this morning a reminder that champions Rob Carney Johnny Murta, and Ger Lyons will join off the ball for our Longines Irish Champions Weekend special in the Davenport Hotel it's this Friday August the 26th It starts at 7 o'clock and um, obviously the weekend uh, that they're previewing is the Champions Weekend at Leopardstown and the Curra on Saturday and Sunday the weekend uh, September 10th and 11th this is an exclusive off-air event and the only way to enjoy it is to be there in the night tickets for the show are free but please register at otbsports.com forward slash events for tickets um, the news obviously has come through we, we knew that Tomas Shea was going to be the under 20 manager for Kerry but it's um it looks like it's intelligent succession planning going on here yeah it does when you look at the, the backroom team
3: as well I think uh, Column Keyes makes the point today that there's Probably been few under 20 coaching tickets that have ever had the the level of medals that are involved in it. So, Brian Sheehan and Janice Moynihan are going to go in with them. And you've also got Sean Walsh, the former Munster GA chairman, who's going to go in with them as well, which is an interesting element of it. So, this looks like a, a ticket that, if it succeeds, will probably be in with a good shout of, of stepping up to senior level at some point in the future. I think every county. When they look at their next senior manager, probably should be looking at the under twenty job as as, as a way of stepping up. Obviously, the, the the club game in the county is hugely important as well. But um, maybe twelve months ago, it didn't. It wasn't necessarily clear who the next carry manager would be. It felt that there was like a cohort of managers who were maybe a little bit too too inexperienced, or wanted to get a bit more experience in sales Whereas now it feels like this um, this Tomasic could be a very interesting prospect if it has some level of success over the next
1: couple of years. Also, it seems like um, other counties had been interested in. Tomás, he had clearly signalled that he was interested in getting involved at that level of the game and uh, Kerry have moved relatively quickly to make sure that, well, we'll just have a look at you first. Yeah, like the, the work commitments was something that was cited for not taking the offly job I
3: would suspect that taking an under-20s job... Totally different. It's totally different. And it's just, even if the commitment at the time is on a par with senior intercounty management, it's just a shorter season. So it's, it, it's probably something that's more manageable when he looks at the, the whole year ahead. Like, I'm sure that there are senior intercounty managers right now who feel like they haven't gotten off season at all because they go straight from the inter-county season to just making sure that they're, they're there at every single club game that they could possibly be at trying to, to take notes for the following year. So it is pretty full on. And obviously he felt that maybe he wasn't able to commit to that to, to, to Offaly, but a successful year with an underage setup, especially in his home county, you'd imagine will, will provide the, the drug that he needs to say, right, this, this is probably something that I want to show my, my whole
1: lot in with over the next few years. Um, talking to somebody yesterday about just the, general ebb and flow of intercounty management and um, one of the bits of advice that they had had in the past was that uh, the one of the hardest parts is actually managing your uh, backroom team because they all are obviously demanding of your time and input and so as the backroom team gets bigger and bigger you have to talk to your SNC person you need to talk to your medical team you need to talk to your nutritious you need to make sure that they feel like they're being valued within the system and then that has to cascade down to the players and the players are like well where's my you know where's my arc it's um, uh, the the Jack O'Connor was making the point in one of the papers today. Uh, I don't know if it was an old interview, definitely was, but he was saying that um, he couldn't work full time and manage this job or uh, you know manage the management job because you'd end up doing neither of them properly. Yeah, yeah, I saw
3: that as well. And it's kind of remarkable that like uh, John Kiley is a principal of a school and also uh, managing one of the the best modern setups we've seen. Like To to try and balance those two things seems like a hell of a job. I think it also just means that when we look at the modern county manager, the fact that it has moved away from being your stereotypical coach, I think part of that is just time management. You just don't have the time to to think about how you're actually going to to coach a team or or, or the drills that you're going to be doing in training or, or, or whatever is involved your number one talent almost needs to be delegation at this point and maybe that's what will give a lot of Mayo people hope when they look at the the Kevin McStay set up is that the the people around him look pretty good but McStay also seems like he's the right guy to sort of drive the ship while he may be able to defer quite well to some of the coaches that he's got with him he'll be the guy who'll be able to to, to drive it quite well just like Jim Gavin did just like it seems Jack O'Connor did this year obviously the big decisions have to to come down to the main man in charge and if you can get those right then that is the most important thing like picking the team the in-game decisions and and how you're Coaching staff around you delegates or how you delegate to them, I should say, but regards to how they affect the team. What's the word from the Kerry Mafia about Paddy Talley? Is he coming back? Do we know yet? I don't know. I don't know why. I'm not. I don't think there's been many reports. No, I haven't was seen. Was he anything. asked on the football pod? I actually need to get around to listening to that.
1: Um, I don't think they. I don't think they nailed him on it. Yeah. It was. It was. You know, a more gentle chat than a. But it's. It doesn't need to be aggressive to ask him. What is your plans for for next year? I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah, like... Uh, it w- I listened to the whole thing and I can't actually remember. I would suggest they didn't, but... Yeah, like, obviously, the su-
3: suggestion was a few weeks ago that the career break uh, was was a year-long one and that was conducive to him being able to travel down to Kerry and not having that uh, availability now in his career is, is something that, like, will, might end the whole thing. But I don't know. That's just that that's just a theory that's been out there. Like, again, success is, is a powerful enough drug that... It, has he been there this year? Like, and, like realise that he's crafted a very talented team into All-Ireland winners Like surely that's something uh, that keeps coming back potential dynasty the, well that's the thing if, like, if the age it's profile like of the, the, the team is different way, screw you yeah. if, that, if it was uh, like a, a different age profile team then it, he might think twice or if they'd won All-Irelands beforehand whereas this it feels like there's still, there would still be enough of a hunger there next year for them to try and go back to back I still maintain it's going to be very difficult for them to do so but if they keep tally on board and if they have if they get a little bit of the rubber to green with with fitness uh, that'll mean that they add a, a few new players to the mix and there'll be a few new faces in that team next year i think they could have a right crack off going back to back again and if you're coaching that like, I mean, nobody makes it to the top of the coach game unless they're unbelievably competitive and that prospect of potentially winning the All-Ireland again next year would be, be uh, a big one unless another county comes in for him obviously that that would be um, one of the things that
1: you might say could, could sway him just something closer to home Yeah, yeah, for sure One of the points that uh, McStay was making and I can't remember where it was yesterday it could have been the Irish Times um, about the strength and depth being one of the most important things for everybody next year given the extra amount of games and the speed at which the round-robin games are going to happen like the round-robin we still think, certainly, uh, the view that we've expressed on the show is that the system is a bit of a pig's mickey and it's going to end up having a bunch of games that eradicates almost nobody from the championship. But anyway, it's going to happen and there'll be a lot of games and we like we like the games because that's the whole point. We want the games. Um, but that the teams with the biggest strength and depth are going to benefit more from uh, the speed at which those um, games come taking fast next year. And so, developing that bench is going to be far more important, maybe than it had been in previous years. Yeah, like it's it's all important, and I think that that's one of the
3: reasons why. Like, I think Dublin under Jim Gavin in the early years started to do so well in the league. Obviously, it's it's really important uh, stage and post for them early in the season, but also they just had so many players of. Very high quality, and that meant that they were competitive year in year out in a way that may- maybe Tyrone and the Nauties or Kerry in the Nauties possibly hadn't been. Uh, and I think that this Kerry team has probably followed that up as well. I think that they've been excellent in the league over the last few seasons. Granted, that's different because. They felt that they were missing an All-Ireland medal and they felt that they had to go hammer and tongs at the start of every single year and also they didn't have a team holiday because they weren't making it to uh, to, to, to any successful level in the, the previous season but I think it also speaks to the depth that they've had and some of the options that they've had and when the injuries happen and when you've got players away uh, playing for their colleges early in the league they had a 15 that was better than most other 15s going up against them so uh, I, I think that it will benefit those two counties in particular next year I think Kerry and Dublin will be in, in brilliant shape I think when, it, when you get beyond that I think that's I think you could have question marks of, of basically every other team I think Tyrone when they won the All-Ireland last year I think everybody spoke about it but it was depth that won them that All-Ireland and then they lost it this year it wasn't the only reason but it was one of the big reasons why they, they fell off their perch this year and I think every other county in, in that mix you would have questions around their depth and that's only natural you can only have a, a certain amount of players of of equality uh, of but even when it comes to like something like Mayo Kevin McStay needs luck as opposed to hoping on a big squad Like it cost him this year he, he could he, like. They were basically missing a full forward line. You could argue compared to what it was in 2021. If you count, if you assume that Killian O'Connor was just off form as well as uh, as well as everything else. So if he comes back, and obviously the two injuries and in, you know Donahue and Conroy, then like that's the bit of luck that Kevin McSae needs first of all, as opposed to you know the the depth that they might have for the lads coming off the bench.
1: Um, You were obviously travelling on Monday, but we were talking with Dan about how good the situation is for the Republic of Ireland at the moment. Mm. The vast majority of their players are getting game time, with the obvious exception of um, Dardy and Coleman. But I think that they're going to get some significant game time um, over the next while and hopefully get back in uh, their respective teams as well. But Adam Eda came off the bench last night and scored for Norwich with um, maybe not his first touch, but very close to it. Uh, they ended up conceding a 90th minute equaliser to Bournemouth the game went to penalties and Norwich went out which is unfortunate because the more games there are for Norwich at this stage of the season the better I suspect he's going to get back in the team pretty quickly because um, you know, Dean Smith doesn't they do actually have significantly more attacking options now than they did last year but he was playing so well for Smith last year uh, for a period of time before his injury that presumably he's got some credit in the bank but all of a sudden we have a lot of players playing well and getting game time and, you know, touch wood uh, and whatever else it, we need to do. But, like, this is relatively exciting. I mean, I'm trying not to get too carried away here by saying relatively exciting, but actually, it's more than that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is, to be fair. And, like, I
3: mean, the, the, the way the last um, campaign ended as well, like, I mean, obviously it started terribly, but it, it finished quite well. I think it probably gives you hope that things are going to get a little bit better, given some of the players that that Ireland were missing. So uh, the question for, for Ireland is where does Adam Media play and what is his role going to be for the Republic of Ireland because it's definitely felt to be when the chips were down or when Ireland weren't favoured to win a game that's where Ida was at his best like the knight in Farrow I think I, I, will, he will do well to kind of top that over the next few months as a, as a better performance for Ireland um, and if he can Combine that with maybe a couple of goals for Ireland, then I think he could become a guaranteed starter for Stephen Kenny. Like he, he kind of stumbled upon a, a nice enough attack without him. Like uh, obviously, uh, Oberfamy and Parish was something that kind of swept us away for a period of time there but Ida could almost play with any of those players and almost makes uh, an easier combination with any of those players. And now Ben is starting up front as opposed yeah.
1: to on the right wing
3: at club level. And he and didn't even have a good June window. Like no. I think we were probably worried about his form actually at the end of last season he and now exhausted. he started
1: brilliantly this season. Yeah. yeah, so all of a sudden there are four strikers in the championship playing, a uh, tripod has to score in the league yet, um, but there's something there. There's at least like a little bit of depth and if there is an injury to one or other of them, then there's another pair who are playing well.
3: Yeah, like, I, I will say that, like, uh, that's kind of one of the unfortunate things we're looking out for at the moment is that there is a bit of an injury profile with some of these players as well. And Adam Ida is definitely one of those players that you're kind of taking it on a week by week basis, just hopefully that he can, he can stay fit, first of all, and then just hope that he can, he can put some form together. Uh, like, N- Norwich obviously are going to be a, a, an interesting one from an Irish perspective always to, to watch over the course of this entire season. But it's good to see him back, good to see him scoring. And like, that, that for me was just kind of the, the missing part of his performances for Ireland, even when he's been excellent. Uh, he hasn't been scoring a lot of goals, but if you can add that to the game, and I, I saw the goal last night as well. It's just one of those bursts into the box, a scrappy finish where he just beats the defender t- to the tap in. Like that's the goal that you want. That's the Robbie Keane goal.
1: We need about uh, fourteen of those a season. Yeah, like that's and that's the thing that turns him from a good striker who's like uh, got all the physical attributes to somebody who's a fox in the box as well as everything else. And that, like that. That will get you in the Premier League, you know? 100%. And like, it's, it's that very
3: simple looking thing, which has been a massive challenge for Ireland for the best part of, uh,
1: six, seven years at this point. Uh, Tennis Tank says the Kerry colours in the banner. It was, you know, obviously felt at home with the, yeah. the green and gold. Um, Michael O'Connor says exactly what I've always thought. There needs to be more Manchester United chat on OTB. I mean, There'll probably be less as time goes on, just naturally, because there's less to talk about if the team is well run and successful. Do You know, it's not like there, there isn't a new shit show mm. this week for us to talk about. You're saying you feast on negativity? Is that what no? You're I'm just saying? saying that like there's going to be a lot of Liverpool talk yeah. over the next few days. Like, what the hell's going on there? How have all those great players suddenly lost form at the same time? Yeah, that's a bit weird. Yeah, good, good stories do get boring
3: after a while. Yeah. Success gets boring because it's they tend if a team is winning, they tend to win in a very similar
1: way week after week.
3: Whereas, when we were talking
1: about the dubs as they were racking up their second, third, fourth and fifth, it was like, how do you beat them? It wasn't like, oh, look at the beautiful patterns of play. Wow, that kick-out strategy is, is amazing. You know what I, mean? I was marvelling in the kick-out strategies. Yeah? Yeah, every
3: every Monday morning. Letting it them watch over G G you. Credit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, it, the thing with Manchester United is that They've not only managed to, to lose consistently; they, they had found ways to lose in a marvelous array of different ways, which which made it that fascinating. first
1: half uh, last Saturday was it? Is it only that far? Oh, yeah, no? that was all time great, something or other. Yeah, and, like I've never seen anything as shocking, really. Like it was like the Brazil getting hammered in Brazil by Germany. It was that kind of like this can't be real, can it? Is it? It's getting worse. But does that? What doesn't it feel less real
3: now? Like that? Like we still need to remember that that was like eleven days ago. I can. That, that just doesn't. That just doesn't arrest itself. That just doesn't just disappear.
1: Well, Harry Maguire is not very good at football at the moment. He's completely devoid of any confidence. What about David de Gea? David de Gea, I would say, is. Not long for this world. Yeah, Kevin Trapp will come in and be their starting goalkeeper. Backpage headline on the Irish um, independence. Miguel Delaney's story. New keeper top a United wish list in late spending spree. Get anybody in and get rid of De Gea. And so you, you then all of a sudden it's like, well, this is how we're going to play. It's a transformed team. The, the interesting thing is that like De Gea was excellent
3: the other night. And it, it just not in the way that maybe Ten Hag wants him to be excellent.
1: Well, uh, he was competent. Yeah, he made, he a, was made a few
3: good saves. I thought, OK,
1: maybe excellent's a bit strong. Yeah, the, excellent he, off the Brentford base. He, he, he's what you expect your goalkeeper to be able to do at Premier League level when he's the highest paid footballer in the Premier League over the last decade. OK, okay. I mean? well,
3: let, 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 let me just run with excellent for a sec because I think that that's just not the type of goalkeeper that um, Ten Hag wants him to be. And it, it is the sort of goalkeeping performance you need to put in to beat Liverpool. The problem is you also need in your locker... In modern football and all that, uh, an ability to be able to unpick Brentford at times, yeah. or not even unpick them, get out of your uh, own
1: half competently without screwing up all the time. Like, uh, I'm not saying Jordan Pickford is better, but at least Jordan Pickford has that three wall in his locker. So at some point in the game, yeah. you know, I don't really see that from. Um, so I, the out Pickford in, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, 087-9180-180 is the WhatsApp number if you want to get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. We've uh, we've one more we've one more do we have is there something there is, yeah let's, let's play this I was live
2: Alan, as if uh, life weren't tough enough the, the news breaks you're going I, I suppose the big deal is if Ireland uh, wasn't as unfortunate as the UK and coming out of the European Union it means Interpol are still highly functioning um, in your country and uh, the news that you're going on the run uh, t- taking a sabbatical uh, the other thing I, I love about you is that um, the majority of people who go on the run don't advertise it; they just they <laughs> just disappear overnight. But not you, no. Showman to the end. It does interest me the correlation between MTK boxing <laughs> folding and, and and your need to to move on. Some of the lads have said you'll be back. <laughs> Others have said. You're founding uh, an electronic musical festival in Bolivia. For my part, I'll be looking to see you hosting next year's draft in the NFL, Nashville or Waterford, wherever it may be. Meantime, good luck and keep looking behind you. Stay safe home. (laughs) Thank you
3: very much, Graham Hunter. I like that. Um, All of that, well, about 70% of that stuff is true
1: right, we're going to take a quick break. We're back talking Mayo football next.
5: Uh,
1: Griff says a music festival in Bolivia could be good fun.
3: I'm sure many exist. uh, So uh, my first aim is to just take down all the competitors and make mine the the standalone one. Have you plotted out some random music festivals along your trips? Uh, I haven't plotted them out. I've seen that, like, I mean, a lot of the big brands have festivals going on, but apparently they're minus crack, I've heard. In... Um, everywhere, like from in Chile and in Argentina, I'm talking about like the, the primaveras of this world, right. the, the, your lollapaloozas right. of this world. Yeah. Uh, apparently they're just not good crack. Um, I think, I think they're,
1: because they're too corporate.
3: A bit of that maybe, and also uh, like I think I think alcohol is banned, and a lot of these. uh, Not to that I could absolutely have a good time, but like I mean, no, you don't need. We all know you (laughs) aren't. I mean, that's just one of the many, many. It's just one of the many, many reasons. (laughs) That's definitely not just the only reason I heard, and I was like, nah, screw that.
1: Joe uh, reading far too much into Liverpool performance and getting very rugby fickle in inverted commas in his analysis says Bruce Robbo fan club on YouTube. What, what, what were you saying yesterday? I missed your Liverpool bit. Um, well, just like what I literally just that I asked this morning. What's going on? How how did the team who were so swashbuckling last year and full of good form end up with the team that we have at the moment, where it looks like nobody's playing particularly well or? people are playing well in individual patches midfield's not good enough the sub centre back's not good enough the first choice centre back not good enough in terms of his own form at the moment um, Andy Robertson getting subbed off not not a usual thing uh, the strength and depth of the bench not very good so um, it's not like it's one game in it's three games in so that's a, that is their they've had their blip
8: and Straight it, off the bat.
1: Yeah, like Liverpool got a lot of credit
3: as well for like just willing the transfer market so many times over the last few years that you would have thought that they'd have some sort of succession planning going on or they would have at least war games. How, you know, what, what would happen when Thiago... Get, not if Thiago gets injured, when Thiago gets injured this season because he gets injured a lot. Uh, what, what happens like when um, Jordan Henderson is one year older, which was an absolute guarantee. What happens when James Milner is one year older, which was a guarantee. And, and maybe it feels... Like This is completely in hindsight, by the way. This is like t- totally speaking after them getting beaten at, at Old Trafford on Monday. But now maybe it becomes apparent that they didn't plan this uh, transfer window as well as they possibly could have because they've been left wanting in, in midfield in particular.
1: Their net spend is not very high. So there's still yeah. 10 days, 7 days left for them to whip out the checkbook and sign some players and go, OK, we're going to make this huge investment now to try and bet in player X or Y. Well, they've, in- ma- they've made money. Oh no! Sorry, they've just lost. Sorry, just
3: 5 lost my mail. Sorry, yeah, yeah you just got it open there as well. So that that seems unusual, and obviously the thing was at the start of the season. Let's make up for the Sadio Madi departure by bringing in Darwin Nunez. And, and the, one last and point about like this, it.
1: right? So, like uh, when this came up in the the office the other day, but we've covered the story in the past about how Liverpool are treating the local community with, in particular, the streets around Anfield where they have bought up a lot of houses and those houses have been boarded up and what's the plan as they extend Liverpool Plaza onto those streets. All those stories have kind of disappeared because the club was being successful. But what's the club stop being successful for a season and watch everybody start going? How much did Family Sports Group actually spend on investing in the in players versus what other clubs have spent, mm. you know, they're held up as this paradigm of oh, we've got great American owners, as opposed to you who don't have great American owners. But like, what dictates whether or not an ownership is considered good or bad? So far in history, has been whether or not the team wins. Let's wait and see what happens uh, if the team was to stop winning over the next while.
3: But we, we saw that two years ago. We like when they had their bad season during COVID, you often saw hashtag FSG out trending. Like that is the the automatic response for a lot of clubs. Like, I mean... The so what
1: we're saying is Liverpool and Manchester United are basically the same.
3: Every football club is the same. I guarantee you if if Arsenal lose every game in October, hashtag Cronky out will be trending. That, that, that is the automatic response to your football club not doing too well. Now, I, I may be misremembering this, but I do think that the Thiago signing was a brilliant... Bandage over any FSG out uh, hashtag tendency you might have had uh, the, the, the year before last or last year when he, when he was signed. So uh, I think that signing maybe kind of was was a sort of present from the owners. But I, 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 I could just be making that up.
1: A reminder that Braeburn Coffee is the official coffee partner of OTB. Each week we're giving one lucky viewer a €100 Euro voucher to spend on some Braeburn coffee goodness at an Apple Green store near you. To enter, check out, add off the ball on Twitter, like and retweet our Braeburn competition post and you'll be in the draw. Braeburn coffee never compromises on quality or taste to give you the best on the go experience, coffee experience on the road. It's available at Apple Green today. Now, it's uh, 11 minutes, 10 minutes past eight here on OTBAM, and I'm delighted to say Colin Boyle is with us to reflect on the... New Mayo management team. Colum, we know who the Mayo management team is going to be, and not just in the short term, but they've had a long term deal to Kevin McStay and his backroom team, which brings much needed stability to the situation, I suspect. Um, what's what's the, the general consensus among the people who are chatting to you about it? Oh,
6: Thanks, lads. Yeah, for a four-year deal for Kevin. It's not not hugely surprisingly that, that they went with four years. I think they gave the same to James um, when he came back in for the for the second term. So, yeah, um, wasn't obviously hugely surprised when I heard the news that it was Kevin. He, he put together a really a strong backroom team. It was obviously seen as probably his last opportunity, really, to get this job for for himself. So he threw everything at it, uh, rounded out some some very good people, and uh, obviously came up against stiff opposition. Um, so look, it an awful lot of talk over the last couple of weeks as this has been building up in in May of who was going to get it, and you know there was different you know rumors going around. But obviously, as, as things were developing on Monday, it looked like it was Kevin, and obviously it was confirmed on on Monday night.
1: He as you say, put together a really strong backroom team. And before we get into the the nitty-gritty of that team and what they're actually going to be capable of, you'd have to say that the quality of teams put together was actually sensational. And any county in Ireland would be delighted to have such great, like, three different separate teams who all brought something very different to the table. Like, there's been a lot of criticism of the, oh, look at this process, I can't believe it's taken so long. But ultimately... Any of those three teams, if they were in charge of an intercounty team, you'd be like, well, I've got to take this one seriously. I've got to respect this group.
6: Absolutely. Yeah, there was serious quality, uh, as you mentioned. I think that's one thing about the split season, especially when, when Mayo wear out relatively early in it at, at a quarterfinal stage, is that you don't have to rush into into. It's not like you've only a couple of weeks to get this done or a month or, or whatever. You know, you can take a bit of time in it probably would have been a bit longer than what a lot of people would have liked but look at it. it's done now it took well, it took 3 months they they would have feel the county board i'm sure feel like they've done the right thing they've gone through the right process they they've done the interviews i'm not sure when's the last time four people interviewed for a mayo job if ever um they probably did a few years ago but yeah four really strong candidates and uh, look i think the county board would probably feel like they've
3: they've got the the right man for the job and that number of candidates speaks to how attractive this job very much still is. Is that surprising at all to you, Column? That, that people are still very much unbelievably interested in this job? Like It says to me that this team hasn't come off their peak just yet at all, that they're still very much right there and there's a capability to, to win an All-Ireland next year with this team.
6: Hundred percent on. I I don't think Kevin McStay be, would be taking this job at at this stage of his of his life and his career if he didn't believe there was a chance there to win the All Ireland or that Mayo could win the All Ireland. And I'd say the same for Stephen Roch coming back in there with them and, and Donny Buckley as well, and obviously Lee McHale. You know, them boys I think have a firm belief um that there's a there's a panel there, a squad there with the the capabilities of of doing something and they are They're also probably looking at the landscape of what's out there at the minute and obviously Kerry being All Ireland champions um obviously a really really good team but you know outside of that there's an awful lot of teams around around the same level and i think Mayo are one of them and even if you, if you look if you're looking at the likes of Galway last year coming from the middle of the pack and being within five minutes of winning the All Ireland you know i th- i think Mayo will be right in the mix next year along with the number of teams um that will be pushing for the for the last stages of all Ireland and I think the lads there will will feel if they get, you know, a lot of things right, obviously there's a lot of things that needs to work on and need to improve on, but if they if they get an awful lot of things right that they're going to be there or thereabouts.
1: Colin, how how important was Stephen Rochford's decision to throw his lot in with this group in terms of winning over the male public and also I guess in, I mean we don't know the ins and outs of the selection committee what their decision process was, but because he seems like a, a well-got character. People have uh, a lot of time for what he'd done at club level. And then at inter-county level, I think you know it's, it's possible that his team was the closest to winning in All-Ireland. And for him not, not to go on his own, but to actually say, right, I'm going to be part of this group. That seems to have added a lot of heft to their candidacy.
6: Yeah, I think it was a great move by Kevin to be honest, um, to 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 pick up the phone and get Stephen Rochford on board and obviously go within and, and 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 get Tony Buckley as well. I think, you know, Kevin or both them fellas had the huge time for, for Mayo football and what they've done for them in the past. Um obviously a there will be a few lads there that have still worked for them that will have a great time for them as well. So I think that's a very positive move by by Kevin to get them two boys in there and they have, the you know, great experience as well. Um, and they even, even with that, they will add a bit of freshness and, and new ideas and going forward. You know, it will be interesting to see, you know, the last couple of years with Mayo, we've kind of, gone down the route of running an awful lot of ball and going through the hands. Um, it'll be very interesting with Kevin now and knowing and, and and Stephen and Donny. they like to move the ball really really quickly and through the foot as much as possible. So I think you could see a, a different style in Mayo's play certainly next year um, and over the next couple of years of maybe moving the ball a small bit quicker and certainly by foot.
1: That That's interesting because um, I think you obviously would have played under Rochford as well and was there a significant difference in how Rochford would have approached things versus, say, James?
6: Yeah, well, I've mentioned this before. I think Stephen Stephen was very big on moving the ball as quickly as possible by foot. Um, I think James, over the last couple of years, especially when Dublin were kind of in their pomp when he came in in 19, he kind of and especially when they bet us in the semi-final, he nearly, I think, made the decision that he needs to get more athletes in the team, more runners into the team to be able to compete with him for 70, 80 minutes. And and that's kind of what you saw happening over the next couple of years with Mayo and and our style of play kind of of was built around that. I think obviously we still have, uh, we'll have them powerful runners, absolutely. But I think you what you'll see with that is us moving the ball a small bit quicker. I think it'd be interesting with Kevin because Obviously, through the media work over the last couple of years, and I know from doing a, a few podcasts, some for the Mayo News last year, he's a, he's a really big fan of Aiden O'Shea at Full Forward and developing the game plan around that. And I know people have said that's been been done in the past, but he's been very adamant about that um, over the last couple of years. So I think that's going to be a really interesting uh, thing to look out for, to see, does he try and actually develop a a game plan around Aiden at full forward and use him as a kind of focal point of the attack
1: Is it possible that that extends Aidan O'Shea's career significantly for a couple of years even like you know I, I don't know what you'd know much better about the wear and tear and the, the actual whether or not running that distance matters in terms of your ability to keep going but just instinctively it would seem like you might be able to have a couple of years extra at the end of your career if you were to move inside
6: oh hugely yeah and it's look at it's almost a natural progression for a big man for for Aiden and and especially around the skill set that he has but yeah it definitely would, and especially look at around, especially the athletes that's out there now around the middle of the pitch. You know, you're trying to get, avoid getting paired off with them as much as possible as you're moving on in age. And certainly when you're, you're a man the size of Aiden's size. Um, but yeah, I I think it's something that definitely can be worked on and something we can definitely get better at as a, not just as Aiden in there, but as a full group of how we use them. If it turns out that, that that's what they decide to do, or look, it might be certain case that, or cases to do it in certain games or. Or whatnot, but it's definitely something that I think I feel it'll be interesting. Does Kevin try and, and deploy?
1: What will Donnie Buckley bring to bear as a coach? What What are his skill sets and strengths?
6: He'll bring loads of energy anyway. Um, he's very, obviously very active. He's, he's very good and he, he's defending and he's, he's tackling. He's big into the one on one tackling and, and groove tackling, um, as well and getting your technique right and, and, and trying to force turnovers, which we were, which we were good at over the years and for, and getting counterattacks, quick counterattacks from that. And like I said, moving the ball really, really quickly by, by foot in if you can from that. So like, Donny will add to relax that hugely. I think. I think what everyone is kind of wondering to Mayo his, Kevin and McStay has got three really strong coaches there, and Stephen Rochford, Tony Buckley, and, and Lee McHale—three um, boys that I'd say would like to be really, really hands-on. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, if we ever know what who's doing what or what role each has taken in, in training sessions, or is one of four more forwards coach or a backs coach, or, 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 how, or how they're lining up. But that's going to be really, really interesting um, to see going forward.
3: What, what was the Rochford uh, Buckley dynamic-like when you played under the two of them?
6: Yeah, they're, they're smart fellas. Uh, you know, what they do, what I did like about them, really, really, I liked a lot of things about them, but they're they're willing to try different things. So, like, over the years, you know, there was a couple of games where they like to play the likes of Lee Keegan midfield against And I remember, in, in, in a quarter-final in, thir- in 17. And he, he kicked 1-3 from midfield to put him on a man-marking job and into Smith and, you know, different things like even Aiden O'Shea famously playing full-back against Kieran Donnelly. You know, they played Kieran, uh, Kevin McLaughlin very successfully as a sweeper in 16. Like, they will try different things. And have different ideas, um, and even based around, you know, the opposition that we're playing, they will change things up on based on, on on what teams they're playing on any given week. Um so yeah, they bring huge, huge ideas in that regard and definitely
3: won't be afraid, afraid to try um different things, there's no doubt about it. And what's the word then on next Day and Mikhail's Approach to the game. Obviously, you've mentioned that the, um, McStay saying that he'd be a fan of Aiden O'Shea potentially in at 14. But with the two of them together in terms of like their tactical approach, maybe maybe at club level, and, and obviously with the Rossies, what have you seen and how will that mix or, or how will it not mix potentially with, with the likes of what Rochford wants to bring to the table?
6: I think it mix fairly well. I, w- I would say they would have a lot of similar uh, philosophies of how they want to play. And now, you know, now they're with a team like Mayo, they might have the players or more of the players that, they, that they'd like to play a really attacking style of game. I, I think that would be Kevin's uh, natural instinct. But obviously, you know, you need to get it right at the back first. You saw it with Kerry. Obviously, this year, you know, they're the best example you can use with getting things right at the back. And building your platform from there and in the likes of Ty Morley at, at centre-back. So there's a number of things I think Kevin will be looking to nail down straight away, obviously. Getting on to the couple of the older boys, making sure they're nailed down um, and ready to go for next year. And, and if they are, like we've already mentioned, there, the likes of a Lee, you know, I think going forward, to be interested how they use him if he is back there next year, you know, at this stage of his career. Does he need to be doing man-marking jobs? And from a cornerback position, I I'd love to see him up the field now and maybe playing playing from a half-four position, uh, similar role. Maybe to watch Johnny Heaney play for Galway this year, where he's getting back, helping his half-back line when when you're defending, but when you're attacking, then he's more, playing more of a free role and just getting forward and, and helping out the attack as much as possible I, I think that would be that would be interesting to see how they l- use the likes of him amongst others but look you'd be hoping from a Mayo point of view that they'd be able to build a bigger squad I think Kevin has already mentioned this in an interview he's done with the structure what what's coming next year the the three extra games if you get to a quarter final just to get to a quarter final you're going to need that squad and you know I suppose it's good time and now Mayo club championship is starting not this weekend, but the following weekend. So I think them boys will be out out and about and really trying to get boys in over the winter months to try and develop them, them on for the National League to get a proper look at them for next year.
3: This is McStay's third bite of the cherry in terms mm. of trying to get the manager's job. He's been successful this time. Does that speak to maybe a, a wider change in Mayo GEA that, first of all, he's been happy enough to give it another crack to go back for the manager's job and, second of all, that he's actually been successful and he's got the gig?
6: Yeah, and like I said, I don't think he'd be he'd be going at this now if at, at this stage for him if he didn't think there was a real chance of doing something with Mayo. So yeah, look at it, I think that maybe it was just now it was the perfect opportunity for him. Um, and it just might all come together nicely. Uh, obviously, he probably would. Have, he's waited for this a lot longer than he would have wished for him. I'm sure. But look, at now now he's there. Now the opportunity's there for him. I'm sure he's going to do absolutely everything he can to to try and progress uh, Mayo football and be, and be as competitive as he can over the next three or four years.
1: It kind of felt like the the last um, period had come to its natural conclusion, and felt a little bit like even the Mayo supporters, which we thought had this kind of endless ability to keep bouncing back from setbacks had become a little bit exhausted by that whole process uh, is this the re-energising of the fan base as much as anything as well that like you know you, you bring this kind of legendary magnificent seven style band back together and um, and everybody's up for it and, and delighted that this has happened is that the, from the outside that would seem to be the atmosphere
6: yeah, I think, I think you're right, Jarndy. You know, because we've been out of the Championship so long, like it feels like it's, like it feels like six months ago since Mayo played in the Championship, honestly. And to get this bit of news now as a Mayo supporter, there is a bit of excitement definitely back in the county again. And I think everyone's going to be looking forward now, as I have already mentioned, to the club Championship starting really kicking off to seeing, right, who's in form and who could maybe add something to this Mayo uh, team next year or this Mayo squad next year. So I think definitely, yeah, there's a bit of a buzz. And when things kick off next year, I think you'll, you'll see the crowds back again you know, flocking to the league games and looking to see how, how Mayor are progressing or, or what changes have been made um, from, from a management point of view and from a style of play, I suppose, and uh, looking to develop things on them for the championship.
1: Are there many other people who might be capable of playing inter-county football who haven't been in that squad over the last couple of years? Or uh, is it actually good luck, better luck with injuries and improving the current stock is that, is that the most likely outcome or do you think there are some new faces who will come through and not just the younger players that maybe who have been overlooked for whatever reason in previous regimes
6: yeah there there probably will be a few obviously you mentioned injuries there that's that's the key thing for Mayo is getting these boys right like as far as I know Tommy Conroy right I do know um haven't lined up with their clubs yet this year so obviously they're taking their time with the injuries and I think that's the right thing to do at, at their at their stage of the careers just get these these major injuries that they have right and and get fresh for for next year or maybe play a bit of club football towards the end of the year um and then there's a couple of other lads like i have mentioned david McBreen before he's a he's a he's a full back with huge potential but he's had, he's had really really bad luck with injuries he's he's probably 22 uh 23 years of age he's a monster of a man and if he, if we can just get him back i think he'd be a huge addition to to the Mayo full back line next year and like i said he would free up the likes of a Lee to get out of there and play a more free role up the pitch definitely if that's something they wanted to do then the, you have the likes of maybe Mark Morn who you know burst onto the scene a couple of years ago and he's been really really unlucky with injuries as well um, as far as I know he's back playing with the club now as well so the likes of him as well Fergal Boland has been a, a really kind of brilliant player for club player for me over the years kind of unlucky not to get more game time for me over the last couple of years, so look at he would be, be looking to push on as well. But there's loads of boys in the same boat and lads outside the squad now looking to, to push in. I'm sure this is your opportunity now if you want to make an impression. If you're 20, 21, 22 years of age, these boys coming in for the next couple of years, now is your time with club championship coming up to, to make an impression
1: on them. It does sound like your instinct is that those older players we've spoken about will come back just out of curiosity to see what might happen. And also because maybe they'll be managed in a way that gets the, the best out of them.
6: Yeah, well, I'm I'm in hope as much as anything else. Um, obviously there's a few more boys as well, like him, McLaughlin and Jason Doherty, and I'm not, I'm not sure, obviously, what them boys are doing. But uh, look at you as male supporters, you'd be hoping that they, the likes of Lee and Aiden, you know, would would certainly be back, um, and, and give it another go. And this might be exactly what they just need, you know, a new management team coming in, and obviously guys there that they've worked with before that they know and trust, and. As you said, lads that will look after them in certain aspects and, you know, maybe give them, maybe free them up a small bit more from their roles that they might have been doing the last couple of years. And it just might give them a bit, a bit of a kick on to, to get, a, you know, really big performances out of them in 2023.
3: Like, I'm hearing Mayo for Sam here, Colin. I mean,
1: don't trust him.
6: No, 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 we won't go to that extent just yet. Um, but, uh, no, look at you just never know. You never know. I, I do think we'll be contender next year. Um, and even look at it. I'd say the lads looking at Galway get to the, get into the final this year that might give them a bit of an impetus now to kick on and uh, and go really go for it, go for it next year. Um so yeah, you never know, you never know.
1: You see the style of play question that you're you're talking about there, the mm. the athletes that James had, like um it's incredible to watch when it's working really well and I guess maybe other teams have worked a way or found a way to stop it being completely effective um particularly by blocking up the, the channel to the goals. Yes. So what you want is them to be able to do that at certain times during the game, but then also to have in their locker the ability to, you know, kick long balls in. And if that's to win marks or if that's for um, someone to feed off the big man inside. So it's just about being uh, changeable and unpredictable for the opposition, is it?
6: 100%. And even getting our scores a small bit more freely. Um, like often when you watch us, our scores tend to be very hard work or they tend to be Scores from out around the 45 or it's half-backs or midfielders or half forwards kicking kicking long-range scores. You know, we, for me, we don't get enough scores where we're getting boys on the loop or we're getting boys on, on back backdoor cuts or, you know, the scores that seem to come so easily to the likes of a, a, a Kerry or Dublin. You know, I think there's way more we can do in that regards in our, in our forwards movement and getting our best shooters on the ball in, in the right positions. I think there's loads of different aspects we can improve on and and then you know we're always going to have the athletes on top of that and our, our strike runners come from deep I think th- that's a huge part of our game and it's something that we have a huge um, that teams fear when they play Mayo but like I said we need more than that definitely if you're going to push on if you're if you're going to be trying to win the All-Ireland
1: yeah alright Colin. good stuff thanks a million for joining us cheers thanks a million lads it's good that everybody has a uh, sense of excitement around this time of year and it's good that Mayo have finally made this decision yeah like I think that because of the nature of the season there's
3: probably been more of a silly season than ever. It doesn't help, obviously, when you wait like 50 to 60 days to actually appoint your manager, you kind of feed into that. But he does make a good point, like the championship isn't even starting until next week in Mayo. They haven't exactly missed the boat completely and also they wanted to to do things uh, thoroughly and right and there was four star-studded enough uh, Uh, teams going head-to-head here.
1: And like, there aren't that many other counties that have uh, such a strong... Public, social media. Um, I don't know. I had. I don't know how to, how to talk about this, but like a tribe. There's like um, and but also, this there's, there's a it's particularly strong element within Mayo that um, enjoys tearing Mayo down from the inside or the outside from hurling on the ditch. Not many other counties have that, and it seems to. I I don't know. Maybe we pay too much attention to it. Maybe if you just delete social media when you're thinking about Mayo football and what the future is going to be that's the thing to do I
3: don't know I think it's kind of that's like a very magnified Irish thing though isn't it like tearing things down from the inside I think we possibly all experience that in every area of Ireland but it's just particularly magnified I think when it comes to Mayo for whatever reason I, I think it's possibly to do with the a very curious level of success that they've had on the pitch where they feel that they should have had no Ireland by now and obviously they haven't.
1: Well, the worst successes of the Peter Keane era didn't seem to be, in Kerry, didn't seem to be as bad as the worst successes of the Mayo era even though both counties felt like they should have been winning All-Irelands. Maybe I'm wrong about that because you would have been more intimately familiar with how bad things got in Kerry. Possibly, Mayo feels worse than every, everyone. When it's gone bad, it feels worse. Yeah, like it, it does. Yeah, it does it does. Yeah,
3: no. It, it's probably hard to make a case that, that anywhere is, has kind of like more of a um, more of an overreaction to all Ireland exits than, than Mayo. To be fair, Kerry's pretty bad as well, though. Like, and I think you could show maybe the Cork hurlers in with that as well. Like, the, I think that there may be like the the holy trinity of of um, inside. Uh, of of animals, basically. I mean, because I'm, I'm throwing myself in there as well. You know, we can, uh, so I can say it right. So, like, if if, if Paul O'Shea was to to come back and give us his top three uh, worst shower of effing animals, he'd power rank them. Who else would be up with the Kerry football fans? It could well be it could well be Mayo and and, and Cork at it. It feels to me that they're, they're like the very glamorous. Jobs that come up, and by glamours, I mean like a lot of speculation, a lot of uh, talk about who should take the job, and and quite often the the, the whole stories are, are quite dramatic when it comes to appointing a boss.
1: Yeah. All right. Eight thirty one. OTBA. I'm brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. It is. Uh before we get to the papers, I just want to tell you about this. Uh, we need your help. We're currently recruiting for a survey. If you listen to us across any platform at least a couple of times a week, then we'd like to ask you some questions. You can sign up on Twitter, check out our pinned tweet, or if you're an Instagram user, check out our save stories. We're also posting this across TikTok and Facebook. Failing that, you can WhatsApp us on oh eight seven nine one eighty one eighty, and uh, we'll send it out to you. There are three separate prizes of 100 euros of crowds for anyone who takes part. And... Um, we were all a bit red-faced in that photograph.
2: Uh, right, time for the papers. There are so many idiots out there, so many spoofers. There's a lot of horse. <laughs> I think he's a total
7: spoofer. What do you mean a spoofer? He's a bull. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, I come on, don't be, don't be, no, I'm not, <laughs> yes. no.
1: Uh, Back page of the Irish Independent this morning New keeper at top of United wishlist in late spending spree And they also have a picture of Adam Adam Ida's scrappy finish last night Uh, Ultimately not good enough for Norwich to go through in the Carabao Cup But it doesn't really matter O'Shea confirmed as Kerry's new under-20 manager That's the story there The Irish uh, Times has The reasons Liverpool have made their worst start to a season under Klopp Midfield toils, injuries, poor starts, descent And missing Sadio Mane uh, Van Nistelrooy hopes rest can give PSV edge over Rangers that second leg is tonight Chelsea have bid 83 million euros for Wesley Fofana, and it's been rejected uh, so they're going to keep going I think it's going to end up being the new Harry Maguire it's going to pay the money that Leicester wants that's what's going to happen uh, Varane hails team spirit of United as you were talking about a little bit earlier on uh, picture Joe Schmidt is this Irish rugby's nightmare is this it come to reality Joe Schmidt in his all-blacks gear it feels like that that works, doesn't it? It doesn't look
3: too sort of strange to see him in the all-black setup. I think that that kind of works from...
1: It was his plan all along. Uh-oh.
3: Uh-oh.
1: The uh, back page of The Guardian. Uh, we've had too much fun for tears. Scott ends playing days. This is Jill Scott announcing her retirement from football. Uh, great Courage Root praises Stokes for opening up on mental health. This is Joe Root uh, talking about Ben Stokes' courage and dealing so frankly with his off-pitch issues. Um, in a new Amazon documentary. Everybody's got an Amazon documentary. Are you going to make one uh, when you're actually in the Amazon? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, 100%. That's, that's the ambition. Uh, Gordon, I want Chelsea move. Anthony Gordon has told the Everton manager, Frank Lampard, he wants to join Chelsea as the two clubs hold talks over a 60 million deal. Uh, maybe Anthony Gordon is way better than all of those other players they have who play in the same position at Chelsea. Maybe he's like so markedly superior to that gelatinous group of midfielder slash forwards
3: like and I think Everton are chanceling around who wants a, a bit of a swap don't they give us Conor Gallagher and uh, we'll give you Gordon and I'm like for the uh, short term I think Everton almost win that trade
1: yeah yeah and like I'll have him and I'll have him back on a you know we'll give you a buyback clause if you want for 120 million yeah, um, I, I, like I don't think Chelsea are going to let him go
3: on a on a permanent, but it could be something that maybe uh, Everton massage to to work for them over the course of of this season. But yeah, it does it does seem extraordinary money for for Gordon. Like chances are he comes through this season and has an amazing year, and all of a sudden we're like, ah, oh, that that makes sense. But would he not be better off? Like <laughs> Chelsea would almost be better off buying Gordon and loaning him back to Everton straight away.
1: Axe McGuire will fight for his future. Ditch United skipper won't push remove. Is the headline on the back of the mail? And then there's another one here saying, uh, "Captain hooked suitors circle as Axe McGuire faces up to limited game time." So that's in the uh, that's in the start. And there's a picture of David Clifford. How did I miss this? Clifford, different class. David Clifford holding a football in cap and gown, mm. graduating from his masters in PE. He's going to become a PE teacher after receiving his masters in PE teaching.
3: I was there you UL Yeah, yeah, just uh, I was, uh, you know cheering, cheering David Clifford on as he received you know, I'm that much of a super fan No, my, my sister was graduating so I was there but, yeah, Oh,
1: right, uh, okay Where, Where's the Where's the photographs? Uh, Is your Instagram feed lit with you pictures of you and Clifford? It, it, it's it's uh, No, I didn't put them up on Instagram I Could just, you not have like tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, listen uh, the lads are doing a going away montage of videos for me Could yeah, you do could, one? Could you do one for me, please? <laughs> Sorry, what's your name? <laughs> That would have been amazing (laughs) Right At 8.36 this morning We didn't think we could embarrass him any more But we've got there Uh, John Duggan Good morning to you How are you? you Geron O'Neill Well Um, John what's going on? Has a penny dropped? Has something happened? With? Um, How was your golf tipping last week?
0: Uh, Another headline tip winner 16 to 1 Patrick Cantlay Back to back Back to back 25 to 1 winner Then 16 to 1 winner You just have to Stick with the process And uh, there were so many days in the summer when I was writing down every single week the the tally and it would generally be in the last column. And it was a painful thing to do every week, but uh, I just knew that it would turn. Because these things go in waves and if you believe in what you're doing, if you're putting a lot of work in, doing a long time. So thankfully it did work out. That's pretty amazing.
3: Well, What's what's the overall picture for the year? 22% profit. Nice. It's going to be
0: guaranteed profit. Last year, 46.5% profit. Um, and 22% profit with about eight or nine weeks to go. So, yeah, Patrick Hantley, who I've got a lot of stick for tipping uh, over the last couple of years. But, uh, yeah, we did a job in the BMW Championship, and it was it was kind of funny because um, i have been watching it for four hours, and then the TV went in the blink at the moment. He was about to hold the winning post. Oh, no. So, uh, I was in a bit of a rage, but the rage was subsiding quickly when... Uh, when the news came through. When the news came through on the on the app. So, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, just uh, grateful to be able to to get in front. You know,
1: excellent. Uh, so back to back, just as just as Owen clambered off the bandwagon, you're, yeah. uh, did you're you,
0: well. We, last week, did you no?
1: No, I like. I mean, I stopped early in the year. I, yeah, I had yeah. my Ryan Brem moment.
3: Yeah, well, you're, you're, you're saving for South America, so. Yeah, like I mean, that would obviously help the savings
0: if I had. Well, I suppose there's more guarantee in you saving money than me, me telling you it should do this, and then it doesn't work
3: out, and then you got resentment towards me for six months. <laughs> sure I could, I could just blame you then, yeah. just for, yeah. for not having any cash. No, that's not how it works. We do not encourage that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <No. laughs> uh, so sorry.
3: Yes, no, that was a joke. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. What's going on? Well, at uh, the
0: Springboks coming to Porky Queef on Thursday, November the 10th. This will be rubber stamped by the GAA. Uh, the Ord Coral will have to sign off at a central council but yeah it's going to happen and obviously the Springboks play Ireland the previous Saturday uh, 45,000 seater uh, Cork GA need the money because of all the debt and Borky Cueve uh, Munster rugby fans would like to see a, a match of, of full capacity so I think this is going to happen obviously this precedent of the Lee Miller trippy game in 2018 that's happening Adamita, another Cork figure uh, on the score sheet last night in the Carabao Cup as were Ronan Cursus and Dara Burns for MK Dons um, all the teams you'd expect to win did win, but Fulham did lose to Crawley Town. Uh, Wesley Fofana didn't play for Leicester. It's funny, I was looking through the odds yesterday. Speaking about odds, uh, Brendan Rodgers is like one to two to be the first manager sacked. He's the favourite now, yeah. Yeah, one to two, like clear favourite. Um, doesn't seem to be a happy camp. Uh, no signings coming in. You'd wonder has the Le- Leicester, you know, fairy tale beginning to.
1: Sour a bit. I saw somewhere it was blaming financial fair play for their inability to sign anybody at the moment until they get Fafana out, and then if Fafana does get sold, they'll only reinvest 50% of the transfer fee. Maybe
0: Tielemans will go as well, uh, he was on the bench at the weekend. Uh, we have PSB Eindhoven Rangers this evening, two all from the first leg of that Champions League playoff. Uh, Leeds facing Barnsley Newcastle going to Tranmere, Brighton away to Forest uh, Green Rovers in the uh, Carabao Cup this evening. Sam Bennett leading the green, uh, points, uh, green jersey standings for the Tour of Spain, uh, which Primoz Roglic leads the yellow jersey, uh, the red jersey rather. France is, uh, yellow, uh, Spain is red. Uh, so Bennett with a nine point lead for the green jersey over Mads Pedersen. Um, and interesting from a United-Liverpool perspective, uh, the UK independent Miguel Delaney reporting today that ten Hag is interested in a goalkeeper as backup David De Gea, Kevin Trapp of Eintracht Frankfurt, Jan Sommer of Borussia Gladbach, Anthony as well seems to want to go to United, is training on his own, just a case of agreeing the fee. Um, I watched the match last night because I was catching up on a lot of things, uh, a lot of soccer, because I did all my soccer yesterday, but um, I wonder, should Liverpool play three at the back? Uh, because uh, Mane's left, uh, you know, Alexander-Arnold, there's obviously issues with his defending and players getting in behind him. Van Dijk, you'd wonder, would he want the company there at the moment uh, with another defender, the way he's playing, um, and their midfield might need a bit of strengthening in the middle. So if these guys are really, really wing-backs in the attacking part of the team, maybe should they, they should be pressing further forward. You know, That was my kind of thought process. The second thing I thought was, as you said yesterday in the show, Jer. Uh, like the players that everybody was talking about in the summer in terms of rowing or battling for supremacy in the dressing room Ronaldo and Maguire were both dropped and it was obviously the right thing to do with the energy and the verve that Alanga and Sancho and Rashford and Fernandez showed you could see Eriksen sitting beside Casemiro and you can see the Malassia and I don't know how you play against bigger players but Martinez uh, had a bit of dog in them you know so uh, Ten Hag turned that around pretty quickly in seven days now the next thing is can they respond I at Hampton on Saturday but um there's definitely interesting, I suppose, tactical analysis of United and Liverpool rather than stuff off the pictures is kind of a good way to be talking about them.
3: You go three four three or three five two if you were I'd probably go three five two. So Sala and Nunez up front is it
1: or Sala Diaz? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Sala Nunez maybe. You're
1: talking short term very like immediate short term, are you just to get them out of this blip? I just, I, just
0: think, I, well, I just think the Liverpool midfield isn't good enough and I do think there's a freshness issue with Liverpool I know they've got so many injuries like when Jota and Kanate and when Thiago and when all the Curtis Jones when all these players uh, come back in maybe it'll be just back to the way it was but I just kind of feel and I said this before the start of the season that Liverpool they've been on the road a long time James Miller Jordan Henderson you know, they, they got to two cups, won those cups, and they got to the last day of the Champions League and the league. But I just remember the Champions League final, Alexander Arnold, you know, as, who's an amazing player going forward, was caught for that goal. And then I just, you, you just wonder. Um, they're already, what, is it seven points off Arsenal, who are probably the, the fake leaders, but they're five points off City? Uh, but you'd have to think the way Arsenal have started with such cohesion, with the way City have started with Haaland. Um, Liverpool can't be afforded to be that far behind, I don't think.
1: We didn't talk about Arsenal because you weren't here on Monday. Uh, wait, what's that? What's that? Uh, no, Annoyed laugh. I mean, you can no, you can, you can talk about Arsenal
3: if I'm not here. You know, you have well, you have with, my you, with you, with oh, you, with yeah, you. We did obviously talk about it. You know, the world exists when you weren't here. Oh, I thought you we just can. said we didn't talk about Arsenal. You, we, you, and me, we yeah, that we, the right. royal we here, buddy. I, I, I apologize. I should listen. I should listen to the show.
1: I, I mean, maybe.
3: Too much to ask, obviously. Jesus. <laughs>
1: it was on your day off. Uh, well, it's, it's travelling. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, I was, I was working. Yeah. Anyway, Gabriel Jesus, he's pretty good at football. Oh, yes. Shocker. I, at the, uh, I'm surprised XG at how good merchant. he is. I am surprised at how, like, all of the things he's capable of doing. Like,
3: he's... You, you, does that say something about the City straight jacket under Pep, you know? Or but To be honest, John, what it said to me was that City are even better than we think. That they could just casually toss aside Gabriel Jesus and, and, and Alexander Zinchenko, and in the first half on Saturday, they the played like Arsenal's yeah. best players. Like Saliba, obviously the, the third newish player you could throw into the mix this season, he's gone straight into the starting eleven, looks outstanding. And I know the goal comes in the second half, but in the first half, he just has that Van Dyke ability to be like ball over the top, a little bit of a mistake midfield, no problem. I've got the pace to catch up with anybody. Be a little bit concerned about Ben White at right back, just because he's not a right back. He's absolutely good enough to, to kind of hold on to his position for now until maybe Tommy Yasir gets tried there and, and nails that position down. That's just the one little issue I, I, I might pick out at the moment with them. But they're playing really well. They've played nobody, though. You say, you call them fake leaders. Winning, winning in Crystal Palace on the first day of the season was, it was an excellent result. But playing Fulham this weekend is actually their second toughest fixture of the season so far. So it goes to show how forgiving
1: the, the run has been. Yeah, uh, I, OK, and that's fair enough. But it's the level of confidence they're playing at and it's the fact that Odegaard is living up to that incredible hype that he had when he was a 14-year-old and Mm. it looks like the decision the process is good
0: the injuries yeah. like when they get injuries I think that'll be the, the real test of them
1: but they're hoping to sign a few more
3: players to, to hopefully cope with that and I really just think you've got to buckle up for what could be a tough enough October because the Premier League fixtures are extremely tough they play all of the top four between there the start of October and maybe a week into November and then you throw the Europa League into it and, and, and that'll start to, to pile the bodies up it was interesting like just, so you're trying to get a, a little bit of an insight into what he sees the pecking order as at the moment or how he might shuffle the deck for that month like he broke here in Tierney on, on Saturday but he kept Zinchenko on the pitch. So he had Tierney playing ahead of him for those few minutes. So I'd say we're going to see maybe like a, a few out-of-position nuances over the next few weeks just hopefully not gonna a jacket left back and and all of it. It's really funny well.
0: that Smith Rowe hasn't been getting a look into, into the team.
3: Yeah, now to, to be fair, last year that did start happening where Martinelli had that position on the left hand side locked down, and Odegaard is going to be your number ten. So I think maybe Smith Rowe is a little bit out of position on the left. So he's not going to get ahead of Odegaard. He's club captain now, and I think Martinelli Martinelli was outstanding. I thought as well on Saturday. What if Jesus gets injured? Who's well? That's the issue, right? Edin is. yeah. Now Edin Kelly got a, a nice contract at the start of the window before the Jesus deal was done. I think something around 100 grand a week. So that is a deal that suggested to me that they were willing to trust him uh, as as, as, a, as a starting attacker maybe for some of the games. He's more than likely going to be Arsenal's nine for the Europa League. And to be fair, he had a couple of glimmers of, of good form at the end of last season. But when it really mattered, the night against Tottenham, when Arsenal badly needed a result after, the, after that as well, the following Monday night, um, he was poor. So that's I'd be a little bit concerned if Jesus gets injured for sure.
1: All right. 8.46 this morning, OTBA and Sporty Live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish your day. John, one last thing. you yes. were uh, You were on your travels.
0: Uh- oh, yes, yeah. On Monday, I went to Bale-Nablau, yeah, on the 100th uh, anniversary to the day of Michael Collins' um, death. So it was interesting. I uh, got a train down, got a bus to Crookstown um, and then I walked to bale Blaw about an hour. Uh, and it is really, really remote. It is the middle of nowhere. It is quite, uh, like, uh, you're just trying to imagine it 100 years ago. Uh, even when I walked up to the, the memorial, there's about 100 people there at a time. I walked past it. I walked for about another half an hour, and you can't hear a pin drop. I'm just kind of imagining it 100 years ago. So, look, uh, I'm not of a political persuasion in terms of any party or that, but like I'm big into history. And it, just, it, is, it was an interesting thing to do 100 years to the day. I mean... I can't think of uh, anything bigger, really, uh, apart from the Easter Rising and maybe the signing of the Treaty. That that, that was the death of Michael Collins. Um, so, um, read the book, actually Tim Pat Coogan's book, in the, in the preceding days. So caught up on all my football yesterday, but uh, I went into the Diamond Bar, uh, which was Long's, where we were, where the ambush was planned, and uh, went and had a pint with a couple of the locals and got chatting to them. And um, it's funny. I uh, was speaking to the guy behind the bar. They, they, they would not speak of Collins for his grandfather, his father. They would not speak of Collins because they're anti-Treaty pub. But in the bar, there's a, now a, there's a you know there's a a picture of Michael Collins in the bar. So obviously all has passed in terms of reconciliation. Finally, we, we can, can dark. Uh, no, it's was, it was, it was much more reverential. It's uh, you know, it's a quite a beautiful um, picture of, of Michael. But uh, the great thing about Irish people, and that's why I love living in this country, is our, is our unique like to be able to go into a bar anywhere in this in, the, in this or whatever, you're having a cup of tea or a pint, and just chat to the locals. And they ended up giving me a lift back in, Billy and I, so that was very nice to them and the kindness that they showed. So it's just it, it, I, I'd like. Uh, it's just a fascinating period of our history. I, I watched the treaty in the last few days, which is a very good film. Apart from, um, like, I think it's much better than Michael Collins, the, uh, the 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 epic one that was, you know, sold for the American market. Uh, the Treaty is very, very good. Brendan Gleeson is Michael Collins in it. It's a
1: series, is it, or is it a movie? No, it's a movie. Right. It's about
0: an hour and a half. Um, really, really good. Barry McGovern is Dev, you know. So it, it, it is a fascinating period. to think about 100 years ago we were involved in a bitter civil war in this country between you know, brother against brother, family against family, and it um, took a long time for it to heal. That actually happened. It went on for 11 months, and there was a lot of reprisals on both sides. But 31 years of age, you're going to London, you're meeting Churchill, you're meeting Lloyd George, you're signing the Treaty... You're cut down at 31 years of age, uh, whatever people think of him or his methods. You know, he was uh, a significant person in our history. And uh, it was just an interesting thing to do, you know, so I was glad I did it.
1: Uh, what's the pub like? Is it, um... it's,
0: you know, it's, 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 it's a real classic country pub uh, that does a great pint of Guinness. And uh, this, that's what I love about this country. You can to go in anywhere and have a chat with somebody and, and get their stories. Like a lot of Northern Reg cars. Guy was down from Tyrone for the day, um, was driving back to Tyrone you end up talking about like Mickey Harsh and Ergo Cairon and the club he was with and that's what it's all about. That's what being Irish is about, just that, that the natural warmth that we have and that's why I wouldn't want to live anywhere else.
1: 8.49 this morning, John. Thanks very much for that. Uh, more from John, of course, on Saturday afternoon. We'll have this week's uh, Virtual Insanity instalment along as well uh, on tomorrow's show. Uh, OTBM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. If uh, anybody wants to get in touch this morning, 087-9180-180 is the WhatsApp number or of course... You can uh, leave a comment on the YouTube stream as well. Um, was it a, a big night out in the McLean last night? Is that or you obviously you didn't? No, no. Uh, yeah, straight straight back up the road afterwards. Yeah,
3: flew flew in from Manchester, went down there, and then got back up. Yeah. So I'm not sure about David Clifford now. I mean, um, I mean, I don't like. I'm not sure what he got up to last night. <laughs> it's. You've painted a picture of a stalker
1: earlier on and now I can't oh, sorry. I can't right, get it out of okay. trying,
3: trying to say things that don't paint me as such.
1: Uh, well It's too late for that. I, mean, well, I don't think you would have been a stalker. You would have just been like... Um, and what was the... Uh, David Beckham and associ- Associated Fans? What oh, yeah. The- <laughs> Poor Robbie Keane. Um... Gordon will end up like Ross Barkley Scott Parker Gilmore etc At Chelsea Chelsea is always a graveyard For young talent Says Paul Quirk They're obviously Trying to change that And, and maybe they think they're, they're going to be able To somehow boost his value And sell him on uh, Jack McGarvey says I'm expecting Sancho's Performance to be in Owen's You had to be there Before Owen's retirement On Friday Your retirement's Next Tuesday Right Yeah um, Are you doing a You had to be there Before you retire I'm not sure, to be honest. Also, I can't possibly do Sancho. Remember, I
3: literally wasn't there. I couldn't get into the stadium for Sancho's goal. I was locked out behind the barriers. Like, you really did have to be there and I wasn't there.
1: Uh, Very unfortunate. Was there no sense of anger about the fact that the game is on the crowd is cheering from like not just you but obviously the other people who were with you
3: yeah like I mean I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here like Andy Mitten was one of the people who was locked out as well and like I'm sure somebody who covers Manchester United you hear a massive roar and you can just see through the like the shutter down in front of us the TV and you can see them celebrating like I'm sure as a Manchester United fan you'd have been furious with it now to be fact you probably would have been more furious if I guess if Liverpool had beaten you in the night maybe but yeah I wasn't there so it won't make the top five unfortunately yeah, all right. Uh, when are you doing it? You're going to do it for us on Tuesdays. You're going away, present to us. Uh, like I, I'm not, I'm not a very uh, match going journalist. am I like. I mean, uh, I don't, I don't.
1: I mean, you can, you can have your top five carry if you want. Yeah. Like that's what I'm trying to circle towards here okay, well, like that's just what it's going to be as a going away present we might break the rules for you OTBAM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day now news broke last night that the Limerick football manager Billy Lee was stepping away from his position and I'm delighted to say he's with us this morning to talk to us a little bit about his time in charge Billy good morning to you how are you?
2: Good
7: morning let how are you?
1: You're, you're back to um, civilian life uh, how's that feeling for you this morning waking up without the responsibility of being the Limerick football manager?
7: Yeah, sure, look, it's um, it's strange, It's uh, and that's for sure, you know, the county sport um, consumes the lives of players and management, and I um, suppose it's just going to have to adapt back to, you know, the normality, and um, I suppose we spend a lot of time being in that space, so it's just not really up and back, and um, yeah, so it'll be a change for sure, you know less contact with the lads and people have become very close friends and family through management and players so just will adapt over time I suppose
1: What was behind your decision to step away now? On the face of it it looks like you're in the midst of great fast progress with the group as well so it must have been difficult
7: Yeah it certainly is, was difficult um, you know, we, we took a great um, camaraderie within the group and we worked out with that um, between the sport and the board and Management team and the players. it's just unfortunate in uh, my work circumstances um, I've I worked in a positive recovery and I'm um, from an home and i found last year I, I wasn't really when I first took the land um, I was there I was there through October 2020 and I left, on the I left and I took a position here last May 12 months um, last year was a short season you know, because of Covid but this year was quite challenging from time. As um, many people know, and I got kind of a benchmark. the membership that we can be with. Rather than going to the top of week, heading to the county, the public job, being an hour each way, um, I just was afraid I wouldn't be able to give it the time in, in preparation for. Um, Vision 2, you know, we're going to another standard, another level, and would have taken in more effort from all of us players, management, and um, support on the board. I was just afraid I wouldn't be able to give it the time required, you know, and uh, we've been speaking about it for the last number of weeks. In the midst of this, some people who passed away and that delayed. So, the talk and the decisions of this is been the last number of weeks and just came to fruition, this.
1: I, 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 like it's such a huge amalgamation of different pressures like real life essentially gets in the way and, and as you say there's like such great stuff to look forward to on a personal level and I, I know you, you probably don't want to talk too publicly about this but it must be disappointing in a way that like you've gotten to this point and it feels like there's a flowering happening and you know it's a very honest appraisal of the, the pressures um, because a lot of people would have gone. Sure, look, I'll, I'll, I'll try and cut some corners to, to um, short circuit any of those issues. But it just sounds like your your own honesty with the group won't allow you to do that. And again, that's something that um, you know uh, a lot of people maybe wouldn't make that decision. So you obviously put the group at the centre of your decision making there.
7: Yeah, look, I suppose you know I mean, as a, as a, as a, as a, a, I've i them come back many years. My predecessor had a really difficult time, John, in trying to hold people down, and, and historically, um, my job So we work hard in, kind of, in the ground work, and I for 17 18 to help lads understand the transition to the
1: Billy, we're just having a little bit of trouble listening, uh, hearing the, the line there. So I think you might be having a little bit of trouble on your side as well. We might just try and give you a quick ring back to see if we can uh, improve the quality of the line there. It's um, Billy Lee, the, the now ex-Limerick football manager, um, talking to us about the the pressures of, of work and family life just intervening. And it goes back to the bit yeah. that we were talking about at the start of the show where it's essentially a full-time job.
3: Yeah, uh, regardless of, of what county you're involved in now, it seems to be like a, you've got to throw your entire lot in it and trying to actually maintain... A job and trying to maintain like career ambitions, I would imagine, within your own job is something you almost need to forget about. As as an intercounty manager, like you mentioned um, earlier on, like the 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 old quote from Jack O'Connor saying that he like if he was still working, there's there's no chance he'd be able to to do the job that he did with Kerry. And the fact that he's now retired has just allowed him to come back and do it. So so things have changed quite a bit over the the last few years, even between his couple of stints, um, be, between Kerry indeed.
1: And it does feel like something special is happening in Limerick?
3: I think so. Like It definitely feels that they were going in the right direction uh, this year. And obviously, Billy Lee would have got a huge amount of credit for, for where they were going, especially given the base that they were coming off just four years ago. I know that 2018 was, was a particularly low point for that team. What's interesting is that 2018 was the year that the Limerick hurlers get over the line for the first time. And I'm sure those resources that... Uh, Certain resources that Limerick Curling are benefiting from, obviously the footballers, but as well, like population being in a city, all that sort of stuff. So, this year was a very, very
1: successful year for them. Yeah, I think we've got Billy back on the phone there. Can you hear us a bit better this time, Billy?
8: I can indeed, let's just.
1: Yeah, that's much better. That's much better. Thanks very much for that. I was just saying that a lot, a lot of managers might have said, look, sure, I'm going to give it a rattle here to see exactly what happens and short circuit as many of the, the issues as I can. But it sounds like your own honesty to yourself and to the group wouldn't allow you to do that.
8: No, look, I think I was saying that my predecessor would have had a struggle trying to hold on to players and keep because that's where Lemmy Football was. And as an organization, you know, we, we we were in a bad place and that's no fault of any one person. That, that's just the group. So look, when I took it on, I, I quickly identified that and tried to set around bringing a group together that wanted to be with each other and were, were, were prepared to give it the time required, supported them when they had you know, exams or personal issues and the fourth time trying to do that. But other than that, we were in the group and we worked hard on that on 17, 2018 and into the early parts of 19. And um, if that was one of the easiest of the group, you know, and, and I'm the leader of the group, it would be remiss of me to start shot circling, and the jersey had to come first, the group had to come first, the unity of all that had to come first. And why um, would I like to be involved and, and, and helping out and, and trying to continue to challenge and improve ourselves? Um, it was just too important um, because if I started doing that, the boys would start doing that, and you could take it into free fall.
3: Is, is inter county management basically a full time job at the moment?
8: I would think so, yes.
3: Like, we were kind of talking earlier on about the fact that it seems to have, like, ratcheted up significantly, even in the space of the last three, four years. Has is, is, is that been your experience?
8: Oh, most definitely, yeah. It's um it's full on, you know. Um, if you're not at training, you're on meetings, you're, you know, with the advent of Zoom and team calls through COVID, you know, what happened was that they kept to go and the nights we were in training, we were trying to pick teams you know, spending two hours sitting down, maybe three hours chatting and picking teams. And then I sure have training. And, um, you know, invariably I found that I was in one room at home and Margaret was in another room and we'd have a chat over a bitey before I went training or I went on calls. And um, I suppose I was fortunate in that my kids are, 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 are rare and, um, you know, they're, they're one is in Australia and one is living, you know, with a with partner. So, if you're a young, young, a young manager and you've young kids, I have no idea what these lads are managing to do. It, it can only be really, really difficult.
3: What was it like when you told the players that you were stepping away?
8: Yeah, look, um, I suppose they were somewhat disappointed. Um, you know, we built up a huge camaraderie and. Um, Get on this, and you want to see within the group, and um, yeah, look, conversations were started the to have then you know, um, see, 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 could we make it work? Um, they were unanimous in, in, in trying to you know, hold on to it, but I just really felt that um, the job had to go or the football had to go if I was going to give it everything that was required to continue, you know, the, the bit of a rise we've been on, and um. Unfortunately, but I'm still I have a mortgage, and you know, bills to pay, and um, it just wasn't possible.
3: Okay, like that's one of the elements of this as well. When you when you look at it, uh, Billy, is that like, unfortunately, a lot of intercounty careers either end in failure or they kind of end at like a, a low ebb. This is a very unusual case where it feels like a team is going somewhere and is still on the rise. And and unfortunately, as as you've outlined there, you, you you've had to you've had to step away. Does that make it a harder thing to, to have to go through now?
8: I sure does, you know. I mean, as I said, look, it's been a way well of life for six years. My family were very invested, in it, but my brothers and sisters and my immediate family, you know, um, and got a lot of pleasure out of it and made a lot of friends. And, you know, by the nature of inter-county, you, you know, you're not going to meet these people as regularly as you used to. And um, it feels like you, you've lost something. But look, life goes on and we've all got to move on and, you know, I, I I I've always said to the lads, that it can be the organisation that we are involved with, which is in mean, football, has to be bigger than any one person, whether it be players or county board officials or members of management or the manager itself, and um, that'll be a testament to the strength of the group. And um, you know, next year is going to be a huge challenge in Division Two. You know, and we we had a lot of work to do. That the lads have said about doing now in, in the off season with their their programming and stuff like that. So I look will be their rooting and hoping that, you know, that they can continue the journey into 2023 under no leadership.
1: It, there's been a bit of an arms race in the last 10, 15 years in terms of the size and scale of backroom teams in Intercounty and as a result of that the requirement and the manager to manage those relationships and um, we talked a bit about this earlier in the show as well but that that has added extra layers to the hours and hours and hours that you need to spend not just looking at and thinking of players and playing styles, uh what what will actually make that manageable without us deciding that we're just gonna pay managers who are intercounty managers to do the job and, and that's no closer now than it was when Pork Duffy suggested that this might actually be the solution to one of the problems we have here. Instead we've decided to put our head in the sand and go, No, that's it, keep going, lads. You you keep sacrificing your career, your family life to do this thing which is supposed to be a hobby.
8: Yeah, it's a very interesting question. Um, I suppose I've been fortunate that uh, the first one or two years, you know, we've gradually been rising. And, and, and look, for us, it's all about making sure that when we built one layer, um, before we went on, it sustained, it held before we moved on. And like, I think there was about 18 or 19 of us involved in the back, in, in the hole between me and everybody involved. I'd say when I stopped it out, I'd say if I 10, was the height of it. So I suppose the demands that are required now and the extra percent or two percent that each managing team are looking for or trying to build requires a person because the manager doesn't have the time and, um, and, I, and I suppose I don't other than a manager being full time at it i don't I don't know I, I it's very rare you see things regress within um any set up or nationally, for that matter, so it's only going to continue to evolve, and you will know, be a percentage increase every year as the the effort and the you know the time people are put into it. Um, it's 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 it's, um, it's 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 something like you know, you, the manager has all these relationships, and you know, as you rightly said, there it's not just all about the tactics and the players. You know, last year. Brian stepped away from us and we brought in Morris and just to managed Morris', Morris' integration coupled with, with an additional physio and, and, and no nutritionist. And all that just takes time. That's one scene and that's what the general public wouldn't think about because when the general public go watch a game, they're watching the team that's out the field and that's 15 people but there's probably another 25 sitting around the dugout or in, in in the dressing room to manage as well. So it's it's quite challenging but you know, we mustn't forget it. we do it because we love it and it's ingrained in us, and um, it's close our hearts, and we just get on with it, and you accept you accept all doors that come with it.
1: Yeah, it just sometimes it feels like it's um it's actually asking too much, Do you know. Like we, we again to, to bring this around, we, we were talking about the social media abuse that um you open yourself up to when you get involved in the intercounty setup, and it, like it, maybe that's less in Division. Two, Division 3, I'm not sure, but I'm sure if if there is any of it that uh, it hurts just the same. Uh, like, I, I, it just feels like it's a bit imbalanced at the moment. The demands and the requirements are out of whack with, um, with you, you know, we get on with it because we love it. Like, if, uh, uh, for a volunteer, not that any abuse is, is um, okay, but for a volunteer to open themselves up to that, it just... It, I don't know, it doesn't feel like this is sustainable. I suppose that's what I'm saying. And, and you're living proof of it just as things are, are turning around and you're getting the the reward for the work that you've put in. You're being forced to step away because the job is becoming bigger by virtue of the fact that you've turned it into something that's successful.
8: Yeah, look, I suppose, you know, I, I was just doing a, a review of the different managers of the football and like, you know, lot of the lads, i know, you know, they're retired or they're probably working for themselves. So certainly if you're working for a company you're not your own boss or you don't own your own business, it certainly is more challenging. Um, yeah, look, I suppose if you become the manager of a business or, you know, in a locality, your head is above the parapet anyway at that point. I suppose you're managing intercounty, county you're just probably spread outside. You know, if it don't probably division four was started out, it's only the people within the county that are taking any note of it. Obviously as you move up along the ranks, you know, it becomes a bit more provincial initially and then maybe a small bit national, you know. Um but, you know, look it didn't I didn't ever worry about um being called out or or, you know, um so, what social media is, you know, you'd, you'd spot things, you, you know, you have to take it with a bit of salt You don't probably go into managerial roles either in business or in sport unless you're thick skinned or, you know, you have your own self confidence or self belief. You know, some people would be very confident in that space and others would just be quietly confident. I'd probably fall into that space. But, you know, if, if we're concerned about, you know, what people do, we'll never do anything. Um, we don't always get it right. Um, and you've got to put your hand up and recognise you don't always get it right. Um, you know, but you, you have to manage it. And, and sometimes I found that through my interviews, it was important to share information with, you know, the, the supporters and, and, the, and the people who were interested in knowing because sometimes it can stop um, room or, 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 or a window um, taking place. So sometimes I found it important to share information, you know, that people should... You know, why wouldn't why why wouldn't you share with them? We're all representing the same same team, so why wouldn't the supporters of Limerick not want to know you know certain items of what's going on or what the plan might be, but it worked or didn't work? But you know, sometimes it can alleviate any criticism or or gloom or Mill, You know,
3: yeah, can I ask Billy, over the course of your tenure, have you seen a shift in attitude towards football in Limerick?
8: Oh, yeah, most definitely, you know. Um, it became more, uh, I suppose, it, 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 you know, people st- st- started to take up and, and, and notice. Um, Invariably, in look, the way it is in Limerick is, you know, Holland will be in Soccer will always be ahead of Gaelic football. But all we ever looked to do is, you know, there's plenty of lads who are very keen to play football and um, very capable footballers, I might add, as well. And um, all we ever asked them to do was. Represent our people as best they could with their of ability, and if they gave honest honesty in the, to the jersey at all stages, and we, we demanded that, they're now start to demand that of themselves. You know, you will get, you will get, you know, people will come and support you. You know, people didn't always turn up at matches, but the amount of support we got around from people over the last few years has been huge, and um, you know, rewarding in many senses. You know, to know that the fruits of our work, you know, were seen. And um, and and people took notice of it. So you know, um, so yeah, it, it, it certainly would have been.
3: The last four years have been particularly interesting, Billy, because people will remember the night of the the, the Clare game in that year's championship, where you were beaten well and. And I think you said after the game that you'd, you'd th- considered actually pulling the team out of the, the championship and out of that game, I should say, because of uh, you know a, a lack of meals available for players. And there was a, a mess up when it came to the team submitted uh, before the game. And I think you went into further detail around that season just about the, the amounts of players that dropped off the panel the previous year. And I think 53 players, it was a number you said, that, that had turned down an, an invitation to join the, the team that year. So at that point, at that low ebb, did you think you would get to a point where four years later you'd be getting into the top two divisions and, and very much turning the ship around?
8: Oh, absolutely not. You know, you would have been, you would have been, um, if you thought that, you would be been millionaire because you would have won the last four, four or five times over. Um, no, not, absolutely not. Um, that night, you know, was a really, really difficult night. I was quite erased. Um, I found it very difficult to talk, go and talk to that individual who had been left out of the group that night, you know. Um, so, you know, tempers were frayed that night. I, uh, you know, um, I was on the on the high horse and I wasn't for budging. You know, um, you know, it's kind of a character. Kind of I get entrenched, mm-hmm. but I have to say, what the county board did after that for the following few year, years, you know, that's what I'd like to remember them as the support they give us. You know, when they got fierce criticism from me publicly, and um, the level of support they gave us in the ensuing four years, you know was right up there like um and it's hard to believe that, you know, and I suppose that shows proper leadership from the officials and, and they were able to take um, you know, a smack right in the chin and, and they grew above it and they, they come on and, and it's probably no surprise that you know, Limerick Limic J is in a good place under leadership of John and, and, and Mike and Liam Burke and then in the football side we have Jerry Phillips and Currently, we have Memphis, Memphis Jordan, we have Dave McGuinness, you know, and and, and that's it. And, and and that's a testament to them. You know, it was easy for me to fire the bullets; they had to absorb them and, and they rebounded and, and they came forward. And you know, and that's a credit to them. I think. You, yeah, I suppose, you know, if you look beyond the two flagship teams, the organisation was going well. You know, we were in the 21 Holland final this year. The miners have been going well the last couple of years football footballers start to win games as well, so it's it's, it's bigger than what we've done and what John has done with the whole, and and that's coming from proper leadership.
3: What what changed after that night in twenty
8: eighteen? I don't honestly know. Um, I can surmise. I, I I don't know. You know. Um, I often joked with him and I said I said it was easier leave me in the role and suffer than get rid of me because I wouldn't have suffered anything, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> um I, I really don't know. Maybe maybe they saw it. my own summations, maybe that they they'd have known me, you know, known, and the football close my heart and um, maybe they saw look maybe maybe he's right, maybe I, I, I really couldn't I'm only surmising. I'm only guessing, but you know, um and bear in mind in twenty nineteen when they left me at it we were competing okay in Division 4. We weren't winning games, one or two games. I felt we should have won at the time. We didn't. But they still stopped to back us during the summer of 18. And, and I'm on record of saying that the players went to work during the summer of 18 when we got some awful beatings in 18. Um, you know, Mayo gave us a trimming shortly after Claire beat us. And I remember Leeson giving us a trimming. Um, the lads went to work and they were supportive by the county board and that was only a short space of time after having the right go at them and the following summer was the same so you'd have to ask the boys as to why that was the case but forever grateful they gave me the opportunity to, to lead my county and you know there's no better honour
1: uh, Billy last one then uh, your own involvement in the future are you are you done done or when your mortgage is paid off could you be tempted back yes
8: yeah, so I've never, I've never, I've never closed the door on anything. Um, you know, that, that's just the way. You, I don't have any plans, or I don't have any ambitions to say I'm going to do this, that, and the other. You know, people know me, know that's not the way it is with me. You know, we, we, we see, we sit back and take stock, and just trying to readjust into what we would, what come, come off the, the treadmill, and um, just to just normal life and plenty of time in my hands and. I suppose make sure I'm not driving market mad at home. Now <laughs> that'll be the first challenge, anyway, no doubt. But um, yeah, we with no plans, no ambitions. You know, I just take things as they come and easy going in that space. And you know, I'm sure that there was plenty of things to do within the club at home, or you know, within the football, down the grades and somewhere on the line we'll help out somewhere.
1: Well, listen, it's clear that you've left Limerick football in a much better situation than when you took it over and not every intercounty manager gets to walk away saying that. So congratulations on putting together, so far, a great career and thanks a million for joining us this morning. Not a little, thank you. It's Billy Lee who's just stepped away as the manager of the Limerick footballers. It's 9.15 this morning. If you want to get in touch, you can uh, text us 0879 180. 180 is the WhatsApp number or you can always get us on youtube.com forward slash off the ball. Now, uh, Champions Rob Kearney Johnny Murta and Ger Lyons join off the ball for our Longines Irish Champions weekend special this is taking place this Friday the 26th of August at 7 o'clock in the Davenport Hotel it's previewing what promises to be a cracking weekend of Premier Racing at Leopardstown and the Curra on Saturday and Sunday September the 10th and 11th so obviously we're talking about that weekend in a couple of weekends away but it's this Friday evening an exclusive off-air event so the only way to enjoy it is to be there tickets to attend the show are free please register at otbsports.com forward slash events for tickets. We're going to take a quick break and we're back with Senna Nupo.
2: O-T-B-A-M.
1: 20 minutes past nine. I'm delighted to say Senna Nupo is with us now to talk to us about her career and the retirement announcement. Sene, was there a, a finality to it when you finally admitted that that was the end? Had it been coming for you for a while? How did that whole thing feel? Well,
5: hey guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Um First of all, uh, I didn't really come on here to talk about re- retirement, did I? But uh, um, yeah, it's. Uh, I just think it's. Uh, it, it was. It was. It was time to make way for the next gen, and uh, it was such an exciting game at the weekend for for six of those new players and the whole squad uh, to get bred into the system. And um, yeah, it's it's a it's a big year. It's a massive year for women's rugby in general. Next year is a huge year as well, um, and it's one of those things. It's. It's the women's games at an inflection point and you've got to go all in. And and for me, at this stage of my life, uh, I've been going all in for about 10 years in that programme. Loved every minute, uh, the highs and lows. Um, But, you know, I've I've made a decision that um, uh, there's other things I also need to go all in. And thankfully, it's it's still involved in the game and the global perspective with international rugby players and uh, and some other... um, really exciting pieces of work off the field um so so that yeah that's that's why as well um so it's i'm partly heartbroken but at the same time excited to uh to move forward into this next phase of my life
1: are you just ready for it is that is that how that decision comes in your own head it's like okay now's the time and uh you know it's a remarkable career that you've put together um in in Ireland in particular and obviously before that too but the the bit that we're most familiar with so were you just ready for it was it natural in the end
5: um oh yes and no yes and no um I've, I you know I consulted and spoke to so many peers of mine and obviously needed a bit of time to myself and, and my family and uh, this really strong support network that I've got here in Ireland I'm really thankful for them and overseas as well. So I've been fortunate just to have so many perspectives. Um, But, yeah, I I think it is the right time. You know, Japan is a historic tour, a couple of games, the next regional competition, which is our six nations on this side of the world. On the other side, it's like your pack fours and Asian competitions around that April, March, April window. That's huge. Our girls have got to, you know, place top three in that to make the top uh, division in the global comp, which will be the first time we launch that next year. So that WXV starts next year. That'll be huge. So we've got to qualify for that top tier or three tiers. Uh, So that'll be around the window just before the Men's World Cup next year. So, uh, you know, all of those sorts of things have come into play with my decision. Uh, And certainly what that means for the next couple of years for the programme, for the pathways as well. So domestically, what do our windows look like? Um, What are the timings of... Of that to maximise our talent going into the global window and then obviously for that 25 World Cup in England so there's a lot of uh, those sorts of factors for me from a strategical thinking that I work in strategy in my off field and things like that so I I considered that perspective for the best thing for Ireland in terms of um, the experience that our girls need and the time in the saddle, our 10s, 12s, 13s need as well, you know your, your number one playmakers Second playmakers, depending on your shapes, whether it's the third team as your second playmaker or whatever it is, but those girls need time in the saddle. And I've had my time. I've been fortunate uh, over a number of years from New Zealand and the experience a little bit in Japan and in the UK as well, uh, and certainly here in Ireland. So I'm just really excited for the girls. I I still absolutely be involved in the game, and I'll, I'll still I'll still uh, as much as I can stay fit just in case. Um, never say never I always, always have my boots in the in the car maybe um, but um, yeah it really is their time and it's it's a super exciting time for the talent in Ireland because I'll tell you what there's some talent in some of the rural parts of Ireland as well as, as uh, you know the new metro urban areas so it's a, it's a massive time we just got to capture that talent and nurture them
3: What were the emotions like watching the team at the weekend for the first time not being Uh, an Ireland player?
5: Oh, super question. It was was an emotional week as it was anyway. I was actually, uh, it's a great question. I was uh, was really proud of the girls. I I thought that I was watching the game from a lens as obviously at the time I was officially Former player and that, but um, yeah, I was just really proud of the girls. I actually just watched that, thinking that was some line. Like you know, I was just really proud of the way that the girls that were able to come back from what they would have termed and what they have termed in the public as a rocky start, and they were able to come back from that and you know execute some really, really, really nice uh, set piece tries. I'm pretty big on the KPI, so it'll be interesting to see what their KPIs are in, in, in the games um, that they have, but certainly from a set-piece execution. Uh, in, in one of the thirds of that game, that was 100%. Uh, you know, some of their Greensland entries weren't bad either. Um, Ruck speed as well. Really impressed with some of, um, some of, uh, you know, the quick ball that, that uh, Elsa was over the away. Uh, obviously, some areas to work on, but... Um, yeah, overall, I was uh, I was really happy with how um, uh, Dana and yeah Inya's and uh, IFA as well. Dana and Efa are, are uh, new recruits at Old Belvedere, so um, looking forward to sort of uh, you know supporting them as well. And Inya, obviously, uh, super player, and uh, the best is yet to come from her as well. But I know they would have done a lot of analysis on Japan's defense, and to be fair, Japan's defense wasn't wasn't the greatest. From set piece, especially, some of their uh, uh, systems were caught quite narrow on the inside, so they were able to execute that with their uh, DSPs and DSPs one out. So that was really good to see that they're thinking like that, the back line. Um, So I was thinking like that, watching the game.
1: what are your highlights? Uh, we had Niamh Briggs on yesterday and she was saying she had a good long chat with you recently enough and and kind of talked about uh, the memories that you guys have and that you'll always have that you made together as a successful team. For you, when you were um, making a statement and ringing people and saying, okay, my time in, in an Ireland jersey is over, what are the things that actually stood out for you?
5: Oh, Jesus, you're going to make me cry on the bloody uh, Zoom here. Yeah. Um, Briggs is one of my favourite players to play alongside. All, all of the players I've had the honour and privilege to play alongside. Um, I've never received a switch pass like that before. Um was probably scored every time. Um, and then to be coached by herself and then Greg in the last uh, campaign for my career, um, for members of that 2013-2014 squad that inspired my comeback to 15s in the first place was um, something that I placed a lot of meaning into. Um, yeah, she herself and your Tanya Rosses and your Nora Stapletons, Jenny Murphy. Oh, it was it was a special time for me personally because I, I look up to them. We're all very good friends, obviously, but uh, I still look up to them and, um, you know, in part while my journey started as a 13-year-old in a small town of Womaru and, Fortunate to play with some of the best players in the world from New Zealand as well. Uh, but certainly I was just so inspired by by that group. And then I suppose that actually was part of my motivation for the next uh, couple of cycles I've been fortunate to have been involved in because I wanted to give that moment to the young girls coming through. Um, most of it didn't go to plan, but I I'm at peace that I gave it everything and that our team – uh, Kira Griffin, superb leader, Lindsay Pete, Claire Malloy, so many incredible players there. Um who I got to learn and laugh and live and train and play alongside. It was just uh it was just phenomenal and I you know, it's those those little moments and that type of lifestyle that you I suppose, you know, you never take for granted. And for me certainly every moment, uh Yeah, I loved, um, even to the point where that pain of us in the World Cup and the years of hard work that we put into that particular cycle in the cycles before, um, the way we came together as a squad, you know, I will always remember that. And those are the, those are the true high stakes of high performance sport. Um, so then now working off the pitch on the global game and with international rugby players and, you know, part of my, my piece with, um, piece of work with getting strategic projects and research is around how to support that player journey in and out of rugby. And, you know, from a different lens, you know, it's a, it's a really interesting perspective and uh, how to best support uh, or, or develop and deliver infrastructure together with the unions and, and World Rugby and, you know, all of the player associations around the world for how we can best, you know, truly support the player journey that in some ways you can anticipate you know, the high stakes and how to minimize uh, some of the, you know, the impact that that could have on mental health and those sorts of things. So it's an interesting journey, pretty holistic here. And sorry to go so deep for uh, 9.30 in the morning. Oh, look,
1: we're, we're all <laughs> the Absolutely. Well, look, it's been a, a remarkable career, as I said, and we wish you the very best of luck. And that's important work. You know, the, the support of our athletes is something we, we talk about this all the time that like we see the, the 90 minutes or the 80 minutes, depending on the sport, or the 60 minutes if it's, it's uh, Club GEA, and we don't really think about the rest of it most of the time as sports fans. Um, but it is definitely important stuff, and we know the impact that a little bit of pre-planning and that your experience when it's shared and uh, you know, having somebody who's had your experience be at the forefront of helping the, the unions and the um, players develop a plan for that in the future can't but be good. So, Senny, thanks so much for joining us, and congratulations on a great career.
5: Thank you so much, guys, for
1: having me. Have a good day. Thank you. That's uh, Sally Nauupa there talking to us about her career in an Ireland jersey at 9.31 this morning. Uh, we've got to tell you what's coming up on OTB Sports Radio today. OTB Gold at 1 o'clock is an Irish football special with Shay Given, Niall Quinn, Jason McAteer and Kevin Kilban. Our Sue Ronan coaching interview is today's episode of Koi Gig. Our retro panel is The Importance of Club GA and OTB Gold is Column Gooch-Cooper. We're live each morning. Uh, with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Tomorrow morning at half past seven, John Hartson's going to be here to tell us why you had to be there. Matt Williams will talk to us about the rugby championship. Graham Hunter joins us to talk to us about the Casemiro transfer and the latest ongoings of Barcelona. where They still haven't registered all their players. Mm. Fairly remarkable. Yeah, uh, like obviously they, need
3: to, they still need to get Aubameyang off the books in order to ensure that they can uh, get everybody... On the on the sheet of paper, two games into the season and still not sorted.
1: They're saying uh, Lewandowski and Andy Fati are the new dynamic duo because mm-hmm. um, Lewandowski I think, scored after two minutes and Fatty yeah. scored uh, at the end of the game in the four one win. They'd already dropped points in the first game of the season, but um, look, not I'm not writing them off just yet.
3: No, they're definitely not. There's um, yeah, are we are going to be happy for them if they win
1: the league? Or I mean, you know, they be beaten Real Madrid. I mean, I don't know. It's a uh, things of whatever about Manchester United being uh, the Hollywood FC variation and the greatest soap opera in this part of the world. I think Barcelona are kind of looking at them, going, "Hey, that's me, come on." That's yeah. that's like off Broadway. We're Broadway.
3: Yeah, it's the Barcelona is like the Michael Bay version of whatever screenplay Manchester United are currently operating in. OTB AM with Gillette.